Morning, dear listener. Uh, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. May I just say how lucky you are to have BBC Three Counties Radio? I was driving to Gloucester yesterday and I heard uh, one, two, th- four, maybe five BBC local radio stations. One of them, this is one of the phone in topics, okay? Give us a call with your chainsaw stories. Give us a call with your chainsaw stories. It was amazing. I'm going to put it out there. Listen, I am going to actually put this out there because I, I was chuckling to myself in the car going, <laughs> oh my God, these idiots. I'm going to put it out there as a topic. So, give me a call with your chainsaw stories. That's, that's what the fella said. And people were phoning in with chainsaw stories. I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll work quite so well in the three counties. I'm prepared to try it. 08459. Four double five, five double five. Give me a call with your chainsaw stories. I don't know which one it was. It may have been BB. Is there a BBC Surrey? It may have been that. I've now got on my car six BBC local stations all queued up for when I drive across the country. Give us a call with your chainsaw stories. Other things we're covering today, apart from chainsaw story, stories, MPs have backed David Cameron's plans to legalise gay marriage by a margin of more than two to one. Milton Keynes South MP Ian Stewart says he dreamt of getting married. We'll hear what he said next. Business in Buckinghamshire say they, uh, young people don't have the skills to make them ready for work. Teenagers say it's just not easy to get a job. We'll hear from them in the next half an hour. And there are going to be changes to dog laws. All dogs are going to be microchipped about blooming time. Will it help tackle the problem of dangerous dogs or is it just another new pointless law? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Send us a text with your name on, please. Otherwise, they don't get read out. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or phone calls. All the lines are completely free. 08459 455 555. And let's put it out there. Call in now with your chainsaw stories. BBC Three Counties Radio. Fair play. They got an hour of radio out of it. An hour. With people for a fella phoned in and said, "Well, I uh, and he had an accent. I don't think chainsaws are dangerous." All right. Well, why is that then? Well, you're using properly. I mean, I've got a mate who lost all his toes with one, but I don't think they're dangerous. Yeah, a man actually phoned up and said that. It was the most incredible thing. You're so lucky. This is also between um, uh, nine and twelve. So you're so lucky to have JVS. I'm, I'm putting it out there though. Give me a call with your chainsaw stories. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Let's see if that sets the switchboard alight. Now, coming up later on, we will have more details on the siege in Leighton Buzzard in the next hour. But before then, MPs have backed David Cameron's plans to legalise gay marriage by a margin of more than two to one. But in a free vote, more Conservatives opposed the idea than supported it. And the measure only went through with the help of Labour and the Lib Dems. The eyes to the right, 400. The nose to the left. 175. 18 members of the government voted against the Prime Minister. Ten of them were ministers, two of them in the Cabinet, Owen Paterson and David Jones, while many others abstained. Opponents say the proposal threatens traditional marriage. Uh, it wasn't in the party's, uh, party elections manifesto, and it isn't a priority for the public. But David Cameron says it's a step forward for equality. Marriage is a great institution, 
and it should be there for people who are gay as well as people who aren't. That's why I've pioneered this change. I think it's important for our country, important for our society. Yes, it's about equality, but it's also about a stronger society. So I respect the opinions of others, but this is a good step forward for our country, and I'm proud that this government's taking it. The Prime Minister could still face obstacles as the measure makes its way through Parliament. He's already introduced safeguards so churches won't be compelled to hold ceremonies. But the Tory veteran, Sir Roger Gale, is seeking further concessions. Well, I hope that he will listen to the backbench, that he'll listen to the parliamentary party, that he'll listen to the party in the country, and that he will cause amendments to be made to the legislation that may just begin to satisfy us, because it's quite clear that there are a huge number of people who are very concerned indeed. The issue hasn't just divided the Conservatives. 22 Labour MPs voted against, as did four Liberal Democrats. But the Tory MP, Mike Freer, who's in a civil partnership, says he believes it will become law. The House of Commons has voted emphatically in favour of the legislation, but quite rightly, people's concerns should be dealt with in committee stage. And it may well be that there are amendments uh, that should be accepted. But I have no doubt that the change uh, will go ahead at some point in the near future. Some Tory activists are already threatening to resign from the party over the issue. But the Prime Minister believes that it's a risk worth taking in order to show the Conservatives are prepared to change. In this area, Tory MPs Cheryl Gillan, Nadine Doris, Andrew Salou and Oliver Heald voted against. But Ian Stewart from Milton Keynes South said he's always dreamed of having a gay wedding. I look at the marriage that my parents have, 45 years and going strong, and I aspire to the same thing. I don't have someone at the minute, but if I do, I want to cherish that person, to love them, support them. It's not just about a ceremony, it's about being with them for the rest of the life. In good times and bad, richer for poor, sickness and health, that can apply as much to me as to a straight couple. And I don't understand why some people feel threatened that allowing me to have that in any way diminishes what a heterosexual couple have. I want the same things. Was there someone blowing a raspberry in that? There was a noise in there, wasn't there? Did you hear that? There's someone made a very inappropriate uh, noise in that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play that again. I just, well, sorry, I just want to hear. What the, there's, a, there's a noise in there somewhere. I look at the marriage that my parents have, 45 years and going strong, and I aspire to the same thing. I don't have someone at the minute, but if I do, I want to cherish that person, to love them, support them. It's there. What was that? What was that? Is that someone blowing a raspberry out of disrespect or someone blowing their nose? Maybe they, they got a little bit emotional with Ian Stewart's powerful speech there. How, it, it really is a very strange world, isn't it? Where if, if I'd have done that in a school assembly, I'd have got a wallop.
Triumph, heralded in, what, three minutes, 50 seconds. I never saw the film. The film was about a sexy computer, wasn't it, that that fell in love with a man, I think. There was a film of Electric Dreams, and I think it was a computer that fell in love with a man. I'm going to IMDB it during the news at 6.30. I'll I'll, I'll let you know the information on that. It wasn't the one where they made a sexy woman. That was Weird Science. Uh, Weird Science was one of the great... If you're a teenage boy in the 1980s... Wowzers. That was the film to watch. It had everything going for it. Computers and sexy computer-generated women. Perfect. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. But let's get the travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, not looking too bad out there at the moment. The motorways on the cameras are holding up fairly nicely, actually. M1 and the M25, particularly the western stretch, uh, not looking too bad, actually, at all at the moment. And the usual delays not causing uh, many problems, actually. The A405 and the A414 looking good. A40 also moving nicely and uh, no problems as well on the uh, trains or tubes heading in or out of London at the moment. All looking good on the local live departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Morning, it's 6.15. It's Wednesday, the uh, 6th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man has been arrested following a standoff with armed police in Leighton Buzzard. David Cameron has hailed the Commons vote in favour of same-sex marriage in England and Wales last night as a step forward for our country. In sport, Stevenage beat Notts County 2-0 in League One last night and moved to 12th in the table. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks, cold. Oh, isn't it cold? Oh, it's bitter out. Wintry showers and a top temperature of five degrees. Coming up, businesses in Buckinghamshire say young people don't have the skills to make them ready for work. Teenagers say it's just not easy to get a job. We'll hear more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Three Counties Sport. Join me, Jeff Doyle, and me, Luke Ashmeet. Monday nights from six will feature sports such as... 
darts. I have a dartboard in my garage. When you go out to the hockey, yeah. how many would you score? 40, on average. Yeah. I've never hit 180, though. I reckon if I gave up my job, packed everything in, yeah, go on. within five years, yeah. I could be competing with the professionals. Never. Absolutely no Five chance. years. <laughs> Three Counties Sports. Monday nights from six. On BBC Three Counties Radio. I am Luke the Force Ashmead. No. <laughs> So yesterday I had to drive uh, to Gloucester. It's, it's kind of a long old drive and uh, wonderful scenery along the way. The A419, A417, fantastic. But I got to listen to, uh, it was, I think, possibly four BBC local radio stations. You're really lucky to have this one. But one of them was doing an hour-long phone-in. I kid you not, the question was, call in with your chainsaw stories. It wasn't even a question. It wasn't even putting... It was just... Call in with your chainsaw stories. So I, th- I was chuckling at that in that kind of, hey, I'm from the southeast. Aren't these country bumpkins idiots? Um, but then I thought, well, hang on, maybe, maybe I'm missing a trick. Maybe there is something in this. So this morning I'm asking, what are your chainsaw stories? 08459 455 555. Or you can do what Nikki and Milton Keynes has done. Send a text in 81333, start the text 3CR, put your name on, otherwise it won't get read. Nikki has texted in with her chainsaw story. I got my chainsaw licence whilst working on a nature reserve. Since then, I've been working in the IT industry, but mentioned the licence on my CV, stating I used it for stress relief. Whilst job hunting, I had a phone call from a recruitment bod telling me to remove it and was clearly shocked when I told them it was the truth. It made my CV memorable, though, as I got a job shortly after. That's a chainsaw story! Are there any more out there? I do like a good chainsaw. Very powerful. Very powerful. I prefer an axe. Have you ever used an axe, like a proper sharp axe, to chop wood? Get a root out of the ground? Oh, it's good. But I'm going to stick with this. We may have stumbled onto some, some local radio gold here. Could you get in touch and let me know your chainsaw story? I'm going to leave it as open and as blank as that. 08459... Four double five five double five, or text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Put your name in, otherwise I won't read it. You can email as well, actually, 3CR at bbc.co.uk. What's your chainsaw story? I'm actually asking that question on the radio.
Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, three quarters of local businesses who took part in a survey in Buckinghamshire say young people don't have the skills to make them ready for work. Among the main issues highlighted are poor timekeeping, poor spelling and grammar, spending too much time on their mobile phones and wanting immediate success. The research was carried out by Aylesbury College and it's now running a work-wise week with local companies to try to improve the situation. Although these students at Aylesbury College says it's not easy for young people to get a job these days. You rarely hear back when you go to interviews, it's such a long-winded process and then afterwards it's just, uh, yeah, you didn't get it. And they never really give you any feedback, even though you ask for some. I think that is the struggle as well because young people never get the feedback that they need to improve their interview skills. Um, They're more full-time and then I can't do that obviously because I'm part-time at college. So. I think finding a job in general at this stage is really hard because no one really gets back to you, no one's very polite, no one sort of lets you know. A lot of it they are looking for older people who've got more experience so it's just hard to get your foot in the door really. Well, the principal of Ellsbury College is uh, Pauline Odolinsky. Good morning, Pauline. Good morning. I'll come to you in a second. I just want to also introduce our other guest, Katie Hopkins, businesswoman, appeared on The Apprentice and advises students at colleges across the country. Morning, Katie. Good morning. Katie, do you think teenagers aren't doing it enough, uh, doing enough or uh, is it companies expecting far too much? Well, I think it's not that um, teenagers aren't necessarily doing enough. I think it's just this sense that they need to be equipped with these kind of employability, as I would call it, employability skills in order to get themselves a job. So they need, at a basic level, to be able to have the confidence to walk into a room, to have the confidence to be able to explain usefully who they are and explain how they can add value to someone else's business. How do they learn those skills, though? Is it not just going for interviews and kind of building up over the time? Can they learn that in, in advance? Well, I think learning over time is a bit like learning, you know, by attrition. So you get knocked back so many times, eventually you might succeed. But I think for many people, of course, they get knocked back so many times, they just lose any hint of confidence they might have had. I think how we can help these guys is by really equipping them while they're doing their studies. So they're learning their vocational skills or they're studying the subjects they've chosen to study. But in addition to that, what we're giving them is possibly three um, tools in, in addition to that. And one of those would certainly be employability to help them to find a job in what is the most competitive marketplace that we've seen for a number of decades. 
Well, so one of the things that local businesses pointed out in this uh, survey was that, that young people are spending too much time mm. on their mobile phones. I know. Well, they, and it, they must know that that's a ridiculous thing to do, surely. Well, no, I mean, we, we think like that because, of course, we spent a generation or two, or certainly I did, um, without... Uh, people used phone. to... They, they don't know that people used to take notes. No, he's not in. Can I take a message? <laughs> I'll write it down. No, I mean, they've grown up with a mobile phone intrinsically sort of attached to the palm of their hands. They don't move without something in the palm of their hand. And I think that's how this employability stuff can help, by showing that when you're at work, looking at your mobile phone is seen by your employer as taking from them, as taking time from them, as being distracted from what you've been tasked to do, and certainly not focusing on your job. And making them realise these things is actually something we need to help them learn, which sounds a ridiculous notion, but I think actually it's a really important thing. And also you mentioned earlier about they want immediate success. And I grew up, you know, really thinking that somebody like Jack Welsh from GM Motors was fantastic, sad as I may be. But they've grown up, of course, in an era of instant celebrity and instant fame. And, of course, that's where this very immediate success thing has come from. Pauline, you're, uh, were you surprised with the findings of your survey? Well, I don't, I'm not surprised because we've been talking to employers for a while about these kind of things. But, I mean, I think it is helpful to know um, because it helps us to um, help the young people to do something about it. And uh, certainly that's why we've got the WorkWise uh, program running this week in partnership with businesses and with many different organisations from the public sector, colleges, Buckinghamshire New University, uh, to actually have a whole comprehensive programme, you know, focusing for this week particularly, although it's important that we do it all the time, but this week uh, particularly in uh, seeking jobs and the, and the right kind of things that you need to do. Well, Pauline, give, give us specifics. I'm, I'm 16 years old, I'm a numpty, I'm, I'm, I'm distracted from this interview because I'm checking Facebook at the moment. Give me some tips on how I can make myself more employable. Well, I think it, it, it's a whole combination of things about behaviour, attitude, dress, uh, the way you approach things. So what, we, what we're trying to do this week are giving them taster sessions. We've got a, a large range of employers are opening their doors for uh, a come-to-work day. We've got employers coming in, particularly on, we've got an open evening at Ellsby College on Thursday evening, and we've got employers coming in doing all sorts of workshops telling them about what they would expect when they actually come to work. So this is how I'd expect you to dress and, and so on. And having a dialogue about that, which I think is really useful. To pe do young people not know to dress up smart? Are they turning up for job interviews in jeans and trainers? Well, yeah, I think smart casual, I would say. But right. in some cases, that's not appropriate for the kind of business no. it is. No. Uh, uh, Katie, what, 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 I mean, what are the top two things that young people should bear in mind if they're applying for a job? Yeah, if I had two things, it would be about walking into the room as if you meant to be there. So young people will teeter-totter into the room, they'll act apologetic, they'll apologise before even they've got halfway across the room, they won't look up, they won't look someone in the eye. Get over to that desk where you're going to have that interview, grab that employer's hand in a meaningful way and look them in the oh. eye and say good morning. Those would be my two top tips. And it's a really fun thing you can do with these guys that really makes them feel like... Well, actually, yes, I do. I do have a chance. I am meant to be here. There is a, a purpose for this. And yes, I can get this job. 
Katie, you've inadvertently raised a brilliant point. Pauline, you should be doing handshake classes. Yes. <laughs> you definitely should. There's nothing worse than the floppy wet fish handshake. I, I absolutely agree with all of that, and I can assure you that is part of the programme. Is it that really? To be doing. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's good. Mm. Uh, excellent stuff, Katie. Always a pleasure. And Pauline uh, Odolinsky, thank you very much indeed. They're doing handshake classes. There's nothing worse, and I'm, I, that's, that's genuinely brilliant. There's nothing worse than the limp handshake. Or we've all done this, haven't we? We've gone for the handshake and we're kind of nervous and we've, we, we've sort of missed a bit. So you end up just holding their fingers. Have you done that? Holding their fingers. I once went to... I'm not very good with the, the you know, the cheek kiss. The, 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 we do it in media. We got it from the French. People in the media do it. And now kind of everyone does it. You know, see, see builders doing it. And I went to um, cheek kiss Wendy James, the lead singer from Transvision Vamp, who I used to have a massive crush on. Um, she's not aged brilliantly well, but I still thought she was quite saucy. Uh, and I went to give her, we went for the kiss, and she moved her head. I kissed her ear. Imagine that, I kissed Wendy James's ear. Ouch. And well done those who spotted the Freudian slip there. Uh, are teenagers doing it enough these days? That's, that was a, a great way to start an interview, wasn't it? Wasn't it? What are your chainsaw stories? Let's get the travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're still looking good out there on the cameras this morning. No major problems to update you with. Motorways are looking good on the whole. The western stretch of the M25 in particular is moving fairly nicely out there this morning. And the usual delays also not causing too much of a problem at all. Moving well through Dunstable on the A5. The A40 also looking good and the A405 also uh, not having too many problems either this morning. Usually looks a little bit busy on the North Orbital Road but does seem to be coping well this morning. Trains and tubes are looking good as well this morning. No problems heading in towards London and elsewhere as well, also looking fairly good. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. 6.30 on the nose. Let's get the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A man's been arrested following a standoff with armed police in Leighton Bozart. David Cameron's hailed a Commons vote in favour of same-sex marriage in England and Wales last night as a step forward for our country. And a man accused of murdering a teenager in Milton Keynes sexually assaulted a student in the town ten years later. A jury at the Rachel Manning trial has heard. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ashley Cole will win his 100th cap this evening when England host Brazil at Wembley. Manager Roy Hodgson confirmed yesterday that uh, Cole will start at left-back instead of Everton's Leighton Baines. Captain Steven Gerrard won his 100th cap in the friendly against Sweden last November and he and Cole will both receive those caps before the game. Stevenage were 2-0 winners over Notts County in League One last night, which moves them to 12th in the table. Sam Hoskins put Stevenage ahead in the first minute and Marcus Haber sealed the victory in the closing minutes. Borough boss Gary Smith was pleased with a clean sheet and the three points. We're in a position and our form's been such that we're easily forgotten, but I thought the players put in a, a sterling performance tonight and it's a, it is a big win for us and hopefully it, it gives us a little bit of a platform. The Luton Town players Simon Ainge and Andre Gray were involved in the England C non-league defeat against Turkey last night. Both started the game at Dartford. In uh, Conference North last night, Bishop Stortford won 1-0 against Solly Hull. In Conference South, Boreham Wood lost 4-0 against Welling. And in the Southern League Premier Division, Hemel Hempstead won 2-1 away to Chippenham, while Chesham lost 3-1 at St Neots. England's cricketers lost their final warm-up match ahead of the 2020 series in New Zealand. They lost by three wickets to a New Zealand 11 in one array. The first of the three-match series against 
against New Zealand's being played in Auckland on Saturday. And in tennis, Rafael Nadal made a winning return to action after eight months out through injury and illness. He partnered Juan Monaco to a straight-set doubles victory in the opening round of the ATP event in Chile. Finally, rugby union fullback Rob Kearney has agreed terms to a new two-year contract with Leinster. It means he'll be at the club until the end of the 2014-2015 season. And that's your latest news in sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. If I was to become an international lover and travel the world, <laughs> right. um, just making women smile and uh, then leaving on a jet plane, I would call myself Juan Monaco. Would you? Isn't that the, that's the, be honest, when you read that, you fell a little bit in love with him. That's the sexiest name ever, isn't Pretty it? Pretty smooth. I might have to Google him. To oh. cherish that <laughs> don't person. Don't to... that one. Sorry. <laughs> slip it. Uh, slip... I'm not going to say. Don't, don't. <laughs> You're going to get in touch. So, give us your last line again there that we scripted, the one about Googling him. I might have to Google him. There we go. That's better. On FM, AM and online. It's all scripted. It's all scripted. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're full of Freudian slits, uh, slips today, aren't we? They're all over the shop. Coming up in the next 30 minutes of the show, if you're a dog owner, A... You should get rid of it and get a cat. But B, you're going to have to microchip your animal from April 2016. It's because new laws are coming into effect. More about the changes with the Dogs Trust next. Uh, and you heard him earlier, and you just heard a little bit of him there. Ian Stewart from the uh, the Milton Keynes South MP. He's been ex- explaining why he's dreamt of having a gay wedding. We'll find out why in about 20 minutes when he'll be on this programme. 08459 455 555. And as a tribute to our cousins, uh, 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 some weird... BBC local radio station, I think it was Surrey. This was a topic they did for an hour yesterday, so I'm throwing it out there. What are your chainsaw stories? 08459 
kinks. Get in there, kinks, and play like you've never played before. This could be the biggest night of your life, is what I imagine one of their managers may have said to them in the early 1960s. Now, in the last year, it's estimated over 140 postmen have been attacked by dogs in the three counties. The figures from the Communication Workers' Union says it's because the Dangerous Dogs Act 1991 has failed to deal with problems of irresponsible dog ownership and failed to protect the victims of dogs attack, dog attacks. Well, today, DEFRA, the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, will announce a number of changes to dog laws from 2016. Laura Valance is Head of Public Affairs at the Dog Trust. Morning, Laura. Good morning. What what are the key changes that are coming into effect? Well, there's there's two separate issues. The one on the dangerous dog side, um, the biggest change is that um, now, as you stated, that uh, postal workers and other workers, um, many of them are attacked on private property. So we're expecting this morning for the government to announce that if you do allow your dog to attack someone on private property, you're likely to face prosecution. And on the other side of things, um, we're likely to see compulsory microchipping brought in for all dog owners, which is much more of a dog welfare issue, trying to reduce the number of stray dogs that we see in the UK. So the microchipping isn't um, linked to the, the violent, aggressive dogs? Well, it, not exactly. Right. Um, it's not going to prevent dog attacks. I think we need to make that really clear. Yes. What it will do is link a dog with an owner. So it will make it a lot easier for police and other enforcement bodies to crack down on uh, owners who do allow their dogs to behave um, in a dangerous manner. Do we know what the uh, um, penalties will be for those people who do allow their dogs to attack uh, postmen and things like that? Uh, we don't at the moment. Um, we're still waiting to see the detail. Um, as I say, at the moment, if if a postal worker or you know anybody else is attacked on private property, um, the only way that uh, they can get compensation or take any action is, is through a civil court. We're likely to see um, dog owners face uh, criminal prosecution if they do the, allow their dogs to be um, dangerous on private property. Well, I'm going to ask you a question that I'm, I'm guessing you may never have uh, been asked before, and I apologise in advance. I want to know if this is an urban myth or not. If a, 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 an aggressive, let's say, Rottweiler has got hold of my arm and won't let go of it. Is the best way to get it to let go of it to stick my finger up its bum? <laughs> this is what I've heard. Is this true? Um, I probably wouldn't advise that. No. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an expert no. in dog control and, and how to do that, but um, I, would, I wouldn't advise I doing would, that. No, okay. no it would probably I, make the dog perhaps a bit more aggressive. You, you never know. I'm glad we, we cleared <laughs> that up. Uh, is this, this is, in effect, I guess, kind of the 21st century equivalent of the dog licence, isn't it? Um, it's different from the dog licence because it's a one-off coast cost that has a benefit to the owner where the dog license is really just an annual tax and um, when this comes in um, dogs trust will be putting provisions aside to make sure that every single dog owner in England can get this done for free. Wow. We do it at the moment so anybody can go to any one of our rehoming centres or our website to see where we do free microchipping events. But when this does come in, we're hoping to work very closely with the veterinary profession and others to make sure that every single dog owner can get this done free of charge. See, I'm surprised that dog owners wouldn't do this already because it makes sense if your dog runs off and it's not chipped you, 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 it's going to be much harder to get it back isn't it exactly it makes complete sense to us and we think about 60% of dog owners already do this voluntarily so I think a lot of people already see the benefits but we're hoping by by making it compulsory and rolling it out more people will do it I mean it's almost the um, 21st century equivalent of a collar and tag Right. most dog owners do that it's law most people don't realise it's law oh. but they do it because they think it's the quickest way that they're going to get their dog back if it goes missing yeah. you can take a collar and tag off you you can't take a microchip away, and that's the difference. This would never happen if um, people owned cats, Laura. I'm a cat person, you see, and I think you're, I think you're all weirdos for, for <laughs> wanting to have a dog. Uh, Laura, thank you very much. Laura Valance, Head of Public Affairs at the Dogs Trust. 
I thought I, I wondered if that was true. We weren't. We couldn't. We need to get a vet on and find out uh, because I, I, listen, I would never ever suggest you stick your finger up a dog's bottom, ever. Although, although I have had to do it with my cat. No, I ha- no, I have. She. Ha- I'm, I'm really sorry. I hope you're not having breakfast. She had. Um, um, uh, how can I put this? Swollen anal glands. I had to empty them. No, I know. I had to empty them. And the way you do it is you put your finger and you squeeze. I know. I know. Uh, the reason I found this out is because my dog was, but my cat was really smelly. And I phoned up the vet and said, look, I, I don't know if this is a thing or not, but my cat is smelly. She went, yeah, come in. I'll show you what to do. And boy, oh boy, did she. So we need to find out. Is it an urban myth or not? If, you, if a dog's biting on your arm and you put your finger up its backside, will that stop it biting? There we go, I've said it, I apologise now. 08459 455 555. You can get this on BBC Surrey. Over bridge of sights To rest my eyes in shades of green Under dreaming spots To Ichiku Park, that's where I've been What did you do there? What did you feel there? Well, I cried. But why the tears there? Tell you why. It's all too beautiful. It's all too beautiful. It's all too beautiful. It's all too beautiful. I feel inclined to blow my mind. Get on up, beat the ducks with a bun. They all come out to groove about, be nice and have fun and listen. I tell you what I'll do, what will you do? I'd like to go there now with you. You can miss out school, what that be? Why go to learn the words of who? What's it do there? We'll get high! There. We'll touch the sky That's why the tears there I tell you why It's all too beautiful It's all too beautiful It's all too beautiful It's all too beautiful I feel inclined to blow my mind Get hung up, beat the ducks with a bum they all come out to groove about in my Santa Fun and the Sun. It's all too beautiful. It's all too beautiful. It's all too beautiful. So flick with Mac. That wasn't there, that was the small faces, I'm not an idiot. What are you saying? Fleetwood Mac are gonna go on tour. I love the Mac. I came up we came up with the name for our first boy at a Fleetwood Mac concert. I know, I know Lindsay Buckingham had just finished, you know, a song or something, and me and my wife went, but what about this, this and this? He's got four names. So this as well. And we went, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Uh, and so I, I have a great affinity with the Mac. 
um, and they're playing. They're playing the O2. I saw them at Wembley Arena, which is a much smaller venue than the O2. Virtually, uh, you could fit seven Wembley Arenas into an O2, probably. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm dubious of going to see them at the O2. And tickets, well, front row seats, £138.50, plus a £12.50 booking fee. Ow. And then the, the next seats down are £125. Ow. The cheapest seats are £50. Ooh. Now, pricey, but affordable. But the cheap seats at the O2 means you're going to be way up in the gods. So, I guess what I'm asking is, would anybody like to buy me a ticket to go and see Fleetwood Mac at the O2, please? Thanks very much. Travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Beginning to look a little bit busy at the moment on the A405 North Orbital Road, particularly approaching the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. M25 itself, they're really not looking too bad at all, moving nicely down the western stretch, and the M1 and the M40 actually not looking too bad at all either. Trains are coping well on the local live departure boards, and the tubes are moving nicely as well into central London and out. If you spot anything, do be sure to let us know. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, I'm having a... Um... I'm having a whip round for um, someone here who's leaving and I wonder if you'd like to give some money. Is it really for someone that's leaving or is it going to be for the Fleetwood Mac ticket? Oh, nuts! She was listening. We'll get there, we'll get there, to listener, don't worry. Morning, it's uh, 6.45. Uh, these are your headlines on Wednesday the 6th of February on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man has been arrested following a standoff with armed police in Leighton Buzzard. David Cameron has held the Commons vote in favour of same-sex marriage in England and Wales last night as a step forward for our country. In sport, Ashley Cole will win his 100th cap this evening when England hosts Brazil at Wembley. Here's something I didn't know. You know when they talk about getting a cap? They actually get given a cap. They get given a cap. It's too small to wear, apparently, but they get given a cap. Isn't that lovely? Coming up, MPs have backed David Cameron's plans to legalise gay marriage. Before seven, we'll hear from Milton Keynes South MP Ian Stewart, who says he's always dreamt of getting married. But before that, let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, all of us above freezing this morning, so anything that fell overnight from the sky fell as rain, not as snow. It is a cold start, however. We've hung on to that rather strong northwesterly breeze, which is taking the edge off of any sort of temperature out there, and it's going to continue through the day as well. One or two showers expected to join us through the course of the morning. They could turn a little bit wintry, bit of sleet, maybe a bit of hail. But as we get through the afternoon, we'll notice the sky start to clear, particularly towards the latter part of the afternoon. It's not a bad end the day towards the um, west really of the three counties we're looking at uh, some sunshine to finish the day off actually so not bad at all it will of course still feel very cold the maximum temperature five celsius 41 degrees in fahrenheit now overnight tonight the beginnings of the clearer sky towards the west will uh, pave the way for a clear night for all of us any cloud will move out of the way leaving it dry and clear and leading to a very cold and frosty night minimum temperature down to minus two that's 28 degrees in Fahrenheit and the wind will ease towards dawn uh, which will ensure the frost for most of us. Now the outlook for the rest of the week I'm afraid we are hanging on to these cold temperatures. Tomorrow's not looking too bad and we should see a bit of sunshine but we're still getting up to 4 or 5 Celsius so still very cold. That's your forecast. Thank you very much Kate. 
Mark Forrest. Weeknights from 7 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if we haven't met yet, I'm the new guy on from 7 on weekday evenings. Here's the promise. Lively and engaging discussion. Remarkable people with extraordinary stories to tell. All wrapped up in the best music from the last five decades. It's new, it's different, and I think you'll like it. Mark Forrest, weeknights from 7 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Serious phoning on uh, BBC local station yesterday. Call in with your chainsaw story. So... I don't know. Maybe I'm being arrogant. I'm asking you this morning. Call in with your chainsaw stories. 08459 455 555. She believed in fairy tales and princes. He believed the voices coming from his stereo. He believed in rock and roll. She left the past and those lily white fences and headed out to Hollywood. Search of her soul, but she had to pay the toll. Yes, she did. They were bound to find each other. He needed proof, she needed a brother. That's when stars collide. When there's space for what you want, and your heart is open wide. Women for the stripes of the road and learn the meaning of grace. That's when his cup overflowed. And she said, He said, My faith keeps me from willing, but you know that I'm able. And if there's some room, I'd like to sit at your table. She said, It's it's tight. I think I can fit you in. Rebound, born of despair Yellow sun rising on their bodies in bed Two people in love with nothing but the road ahead Oh yeah Oh All right
if I were to input lots of data about the purple pervert that is Prince into a computer and then ask it to write a Prince song, that's what it would have come out with. Perfectly listenable, very pleasant, but it's Prince by numbers, isn't it? 08459 455 555. MPs have backed David Cameron's plan to legalise gay marriage by a margin of more than two to one. But in a free vote, more Conservatives opposed the idea than supported it. And the measure only went through with the help of Labour and Liberal Democrat MPs. Ten of those who voted against were government ministers, two of them in the Cabinet. The Conservative MP for Milton Keynes South is Ian Stewart. Well, lots of people on Twitter last night were talking about him because of this. I look at the marriage that my parents have... 45 years and going strong. And I aspire to the same thing. I don't have someone at the minute, but if I do, I want to cherish that person, to love them, support them. It's not just about a ceremony, it's about being with them for the rest of the life. In good times and bad, richer for poor, sickness and health, that can apply as much to me as to a straight couple. Well, Ian joins me now. Morning, Ian. Good morning. You made quite an impact with that speech. Are you surprised? Uh, well, it was, a, it was a wonderful debate yesterday. Um, you know, lots of people hold you know, very passionate views on the subject, uh, and it was one of the best debates um, I've ever attended in the Commons. Uh, so I thought that all the issues got a really good airing. Why are you so fervently in ve- uh, favour of gay marriage? Well, uh, as I said yesterday, I... I you know, marriage is a wonderful institution, um, and I just want it to be available for everyone. I, I completely accept there are those who, for a, a religious reason or others, think it should be exclusively for a man and a woman. Uh, I respect that view, uh, but I think that the law can be framed in a way which protects churches and other groups that don't want it to be extended. Uh, no one's going to force them. But for those who do, and for religious groups that do, um, then uh, they should be allowed to. Some Tory MPs from this area who voted against Cheryl Gillan, Nadine Doris, Andrew Salou, Oliver Heald. How do you feel about them? Well, it was a free vote. Um, you know, a free vote in Parliament is on issues of conscience. Um, and, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for my colleagues, um, and they have respect for me. Um, and uh, there were areas of agreement. You know, Andrew Sulu, who is my neighbour in southwest Bedfordshire, um, he made the point that we don't talk enough about strengthening relationships, about uh, encouraging responsibility, and I completely agree with him. But I just don't think that allowing gay people to take the step of, into marriage in any way undermines that. What, what happens now, Ian? Because it's not law yet, is it? We're not going to see lots of gay people this Saturday getting married. Yeah. How, how, do, how does this progress? No, yesterday was uh, what's called second reading, and that's a, a, a debate and a vote on the bill as a whole on, on its general principles. Uh, so now that's passed, it moves into its committee stage, which is a, a very detailed uh, line-by-line scrutiny of the bill. Um, and you know, there might be some changes made to it. Um, so that will take another you know, few weeks and months in the Commons, and then it's to go through the House of Lords as well. So it could be, it'll be law, if it gets passed, it'll be law this year? Um, I think uh, it'll certainly, well, if, assuming it passes, it will become the law of the land this year. 
but uh, I suspect it won't be till next year till the first uh, events can take place. We've had a text from uh, Stuart from St Albans, uh, and let me put this to you. I think the gay marriage, the gay marriage thing is a complete joke. I've never once heard anyone moaning that they want to marry their boyfriend, apart from that plonker you played earlier. Something about you, I'm afraid. <laughs> I think our government has more important issues to worry about than spending so much time on that. Couldn't a quick show of hands done? Laughable. What do you say to Stuart? Well, uh, Parliament uh, can multitask. We can do lots of things uh, at the same time. Uh, you know, we have not spent huge hours on this matter. We had one day's debate yesterday. Um, and, you know, it, to, to suggest that we can't do this as well as uh, look at education and health and the economy and all the other important things, uh, I, I don't think that's a, a sensible point. When you're, when you're standing up and you're making a, a speech or a pronouncement... Are you aware of, of the environment, of what people are doing? Because we, I'm going to play you a clip here, and we notice this. You're giving a, a real powerful barnstormer speech, you know, with passion speaking from your heart. But then have a listen in the background. To cherish that person, to love them, support them. There's someone blowing their nose. <laughs> Do, are you aware of things like that? Uh, well, personally, I'm not. Right. I, I, I sort of zone out, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when I'm speaking. You know, Parliament's a very noisy arena. Yes. That was actually quiet for it. Right. Uh, sometimes when you're speaking, there's lots of private conversations going on, and it can be very difficult to concentrate. Really? Are they, are they all muttering to each other as you're speaking? They, 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 to be fair, they weren't yesterday. But they do. One or two were yesterday, but actually I was getting a lot of uh, attention uh, in, in, when I was speaking. But sometimes, you know, there's, you know, maybe if your speech is a bit boring, uh, you, you don't hold the attention <laughs> of the house. I do think it's an odd place. I always think back, the only kind of equivalent I've got is school assembly, and if anybody did anything like that in school assembly, we'd be out. Well, the speaker does have that part. Yeah. In many ways, the speaker's like a teacher. He does keep order. If the noise levels get too high, he, he will say, look, just keep quiet. Uh, but, Ian, listen, it, I, I think it's fantastic. I'm supposed to be impartial on these things. I, I, I can't on this. I think it's fantastic. I can't see why anybody would have an object objection to two people standing up in front of their God and their friends and family saying, we're in love, we're going to have, have the best crack at this we can, see if we can stay together forever. But you're, you're single at the moment, are you, Ian? I'm afraid so, yeah. C can we do anything to help? <laughs> can, do, do you want us to put, do, do, kind of put your profile on our Facebook and see what happens? No, I'll, I'll, I'll let these things run their normal course. It's like kind of you to offer. OK, if, if, you, if you do get desperate, let us know and we'll see if we can sort something out. Ian, listen, well done. Excellent speech yesterday. And thank you for coming on. Uh, Conservative MP for Milton Keynes South, Ian Stewart, an all-round good sport. I think you'll agree. I do just think back to Assembly. Because you hear, when you listen to Parliament, OK... All you get is, oh, 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 that's all you hear. If someone says something vaguely contentious, oh, and they do that horrible forced laughter, oh, don't they? Oh, it's awful. These people are running your country. But, hey, the person who's running our traffic, you see what I've done there, isn't like that. It's Sophie Tyler. Yeah. Oh, it almost, almost worked. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
Heading south on the A1, Barnet Bypass is queuing at the moment between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Usual delays though for this time in the morning. The A405 at North Orbiter Road also looking heavy, approaching the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Motorways itself not actually looking too bad. The M25 in particular looking good and the trains are moving nicely as well on the local live departure boards. Tubes also looking good if you are heading in towards central London. No delays to keep you updated with at the moment. All looks like it's moving fairly nicely on the whole. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Uh, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Lots coming up in the next hour. We'll have more on this Leighton Buzzard siege, but I'm going to keep putting this out there. Do you have a chainsaw story? 08459 455 555. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, man arrested after Leighton Buzzard's siege, a gay marriage vote hailed as a step forward and claims young people are unready for work. BBC Three Counties Radio. A man's been arrested following a standoff with police in Leighton Buzzard. Officers were contacted by a caller concerned about the man's safety at an address in Bridge Street at around 5pm yesterday. A cordon was erected while negotiators talked to him and several hours later he was arrested by an armed response team who also seized an imitation firearm. He remains in custody and the cordon will remain in place while investigations continue. David Cameron has hailed the Commons vote in favour of same-sex marriage in England and Wales last night as a step forward for our country. The measure was approved by a big majority, but less than half of Conservative MPs backed it. The bill's expected to face stiff resistance when it's scrutinised by the House of Lords. A man accused of murdering a teenager in Milton Keynes sexually assaulted a student in the town ten years later, a jury's heard. Shahidul Ahmed denies strangling 19-year-old Rachel Manning, who disappeared after a night out in December 2000. More from Simon Oxley. Luton Crown Court heard 41-year-old Ahmed of Bletchley sexually assaulted a woman who got into his car after a night out in May 2010. The victim had believed he was a taxi driver. She got out of the car when he touched her breast and was helped home by a passerby who got part of the registration number of Ahmed's car near the plough pub in Bletchley. The jury was told Ahmed was convicted of the offence in 2011. The trial continues. Fire crews in Bedfordshire have been banned from listening to music or watching DVDs on their breaks. Mosses at Bed's Fire and Rescue Service say they can't justify spending £15,000 on the necessary licences. Business leaders in Buckinghamshire say young people lack the skills to make them ready for work. In a survey carried out by Aylesbury College, three, th- three quarters of those who responded said youngsters weren't ready. Here's Carol Abercrombie. They questioned more than 100 local businesses for their views. Among the main issues highlighted were poor timekeeping, poor spelling and grammar spending too much time on their mobile phones and wanting immediate success. Aylesbury College is holding a WorkWise week to try to improve the situation. Dog owners in England will be obliged to microchip their animals from April 2016. The move's intended to help tackle the growing problem of strays. Similar rules are already in place in Northern Ireland and are being considered in Wales. The US cable giant Liberty Global has confirmed it wants to buy Virgin Media, which has 5 million customers in the UK. The deal's worth just over £10 billion. In sports, Stevenage beat Notts County 2-0 in League One last night to move to 12th in the table. Sam Hoskins put Stevenage ahead in the first minute and Marcus Haber sealed the deal in the 
closing minutes. The weather feeling very cold with wintry showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees Celsius. That's 41 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. So I was, I was driving to Gloucester yesterday. <laughs> I got to listen to four or five, I think it's about four, um, BBC local radio stations. Lucky and, you. I know, I know, and I love it. Uh, uh, it, was, it was all between nine and 12, so it was JVS's slot. Can I just say three counties? You're so lucky. You, you have drawn the longest straw by quite some margin. And there was one station, I think it was BBC Surrey, but it may have been Solent. I don't know. Uh, basically, they, they said, what are your chainsaw stories? Give us a call. So I'm putting this to you, Catherine Boyle. Yeah, I've got one. Ha- I, have you? Yes. You're brilliant. I knew you'd have one. What, what's your chainsaw story, Catherine? It, it involves a um, haunted house in Spain. <laughs> Me and my husband were at the Feria de Sevilla. Yeah. And so we were wearing traditional... I was wearing a traditional flamenco dress. Oh, God. Okay. Like those ladies that cover the toilet rolls. Just like those ladies. Yes. No toilet roll, though. That no. makes it difficult to walk. Yeah. Um, so we, were in, we went in this thing, and it was like a haunted house, but it had actors in it dressed up who chased you around. Yeah. And um, just before the end, uh, there's always a bit that chases you out past the queue, so people okay. get really I f- worried. I finish at nine o'clock. All right, okay. So just towards the end, we were walking through this very quiet, dark corridor, and all of a sudden you hear, and out came the Texas Chainsaw. I'm going to say masochist, but that would be a very short film. The guy with the Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. And uh, chased us. Yeah. And you never wonder what happens in those horror films. You think, oh, he would he would save me. My husband would save me. He yeah. threw me at him. Yeah, good. Uh, I got trapped, and the guy had the chainsaw. Yes, go on. The guy had the chainsaw right next to my skirt. Do the chainsaw noise again. <laughs> no. I think we, I, I think we've clipped it already. Oh, you swine! <laughs> well, that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Here's JVS. She goes on, doesn't she? I can completely understand why her husband would throw her at a chainsaw masochist. I really... Well, it's out there now. It's out in the open. What are your chainsaw stories? Who'd have thought it? I'm, I'm knocking a original station. They've got gold on their hands. I'm going to tune into them every day and steal their topics. Apart from your chainsaw stories, we've also uh, got some slightly, perhaps slightly more important things to discuss this morning, including... A man's been arrested following a standoff with police in Leighton Buzzard. BBC Look East reporter Neil Bradford was there. We'll speak to him next. Teenagers don't have the skills to make them ready for work. So say Buckinghamshire businesses. What advice would you give them to help them get jobs? And new dog laws are coming into effect in three years' time. You're going to have to microchip your pet. A sensible idea or just a pointless law? Lots of ways to get in touch. You can go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, include your name, or, and this is my favourite way to do it, you've been a bit, bit phone shy recently, don't be shy, give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a man has been arrested following a standoff with police in Leighton Buzzard. Police were contacted by a concerned caller about the safety of a man in Bridge Street at around 5pm. The area was cordoned off while negotiators talked to him. It was reported on Twitter late last night that a man in a blood-stained T-shirt was led away in handcuffs after first receiving treatment at the scene by paramedics. Well, Look East reporter Neil Bradford can tell us more. Morning, Neil. Good morning. Neil, you were there. At what point in the proceedings did you arrive and what did you see? 
Well, I arrived probably about uh, two hours into the standoff. Um, it happened just as the shops were closing and people were beginning to head home. That's around five o'clock when police were called to Bridge Street. Some people who were in the shops had to be led to safety by police officers while the standoff continued. Now, the man made threats to the police officer that he had a gun, so you can imagine the armed response team were called in, as were police dogs, and they surrounded the flat, and negotiations continued for several hours. Was anyone hurt? No, no shots were fired. The standoff ended peacefully at around 10.30 last night, uh, some five and a half hours uh, after it began. Because of the nature of the threats that the man was making, army bomb disposal experts were called in. Uh, they also carried out a search of the property after the man was arrested. Firefighters were also on standby. Uh, and as I say, a number of people who were in the shops on Bridge Street had to be uh, led to safety. Uh, now, police officers did move into the uh, property after the negotiations. Uh, they recovered a replica firearm. And the man, who's 42 years, years old, was led away uh, by two police officers. I saw him wearing a blood-stained top. Now, that comes probably from uh, injuries uh, not related to firearms. There was no suggestion that any guns were fired at all. He was led away by two police officers and treated by paramedics. And we don't know where that blood... I mean, when you say blood-stained, how, how blood-stained was it? It looked, it looked like he'd been you know, the, the blood from cuts from a hand or something like that. So certainly no suggestion that any firearm had been used at any point. For people who don't know um, uh, what Leighton Buzzard is like, can you describe the area and that street? Yeah, this is one of the main streets into the town centre. Um, Bridge Street, um, it's as you enter uh, the pedestrianised High Street. Um, the roads that were cordoned off last night were West Street, which is one of the main roads uh, that runs around uh, Leighton Buzzard Town Centre. Uh, so it did cause quite a, a bit of disruption for people uh, as they were trying to head home. Do these kind of incidences, do they draw crowds, Neil? Were there, were there people there, you know, at either side of the cordon watching this? I'm afraid there were. There were people, obviously, who were struggling to get home. Mm. Some people who didn't know the area, didn't know what their best course of action was. But unfortunately... In, in this day and age with uh, social media and Twitter, there were many people um, standing by, uh, tweeting false rumours, uh, but it all ended peacefully at around 10.30 last night. And do we know what's happened to the gentleman? He's, he's I'm assuming, still in police custody, is he? Yes, he's a 42-year-old man. He was treated by paramedics at the scene, and he's now uh, in police custody. Uh, Neil Bradford? That's my microphone, not the wrong microphone. Sorry, I'm fading myself there. Neil could have taken over the rest of the show. Uh, look, he's reporter Neil Bradford, uh, who was there last night uh, and saw it all. Should we have a quick look at the newspapers? Yes, why, why on earth not? My, my t I'm, I'm just going to do my tea. Sorry, my tea's broken. I don't want it to go... I know, I know. Isn't that rude? Just that tea bag would have... Would have um... Ruin that cup of tea. We don't want that. No one wants that, do they? The Daily Telegraph. Um, half of Tory MPs... Oh, look at this. The half, of Tory, uh, the half of Tories defy PM on gay marriage. Bill is passed, but unprecedented scale of rebellion exposes deep rifts within the Conservative Party. And Matt, the uh, Daily Telegraph cartoonist, has done a, a rather amusing uh, take on the situation. It's uh, the, the scene uh, in uh, Parliament and the Speaker, it's got the heading gay marriage vote, and the Speaker is saying, the eyes have it. You may now kiss the Deputy Prime Minister. Really, really not funny, Matt. I don't get those those cartoons. You imagine those cartoons. How much would Matt get for something like that? 50 quid? Whatever he gets, it's too much.
Uh, and then there's a story about Hoon's wife, Hoon's, Hoon's, Barney McGroon's, Cuthbert Dibblegrass. Uh, um, puppy microchips and bank glitch gives taxmen a double dip and customers an overdraft headache. Up to a thousand people had double the amounts of tax taken out of their accounts on self-assessment deadline day last week because of a technical glitch. Wow, it's good for those guys. The Guardian. Historic gay marriage vote leaves PM adrift from party. Uh, and... Um, uh, ministers and most Tory backbenchers reject Cameron's step forward and two poli- police units stole identities of dead children I, it's tough this dead children story isn't it basically uh, some police, various police uh, units used the names of children that had died for their undercover operators and I can understand how the parents of these deceased children would be incredibly upset but there, was, there were calls yesterday for the poli- that the police should have gone and approached these parents and asked them for their permission. Well, hang on a second. You can't do that, can you? Because then they wouldn't be quite so undercover because someone would know about it. It's a tough one. I think maybe the police were right on that. I don't know. Uh, the Times. Cameron reels from huge revolt on gay vote. David Cameron... They've done a Venn diagram, look. David Cameron was deserted by a majority of Tory MPs last night as the Commons voted overwhelmingly to back gay marriage. Uh, and then there's a picture of Anne Hathaway, who I think's attractive. I'm not sure. I think she is. She's wearing too much makeup in that picture. I kind of like that, that... She's got a, what my wife would describe as a very busy mouth, which means lots of big, prominent teeth. Uh, and, uh, but she's got too much makeup on there. I don't know. Do I... Do I, do I is she attractive? I don't know. The Independent. Gay marriage. The Commons says, I do. (laughs) In a historic moment for equal rights in the UK, after a day of impassioned debate, MPs have voted by 400 to 175 to legalise marriage between uh, same-sex couples. And the Argentinian foreign minister will rule the Falklands within 20 years. The Falkland Islands will be removed from British control within 20 years, Argentina's foreign minister has predicted. Yeah, you reckon, sunshine. You, you have to take it off us first. I don't understand why we don't just sell them the Falklands. It costs us a fortune to, to have them uh, and, and protect them. Sell them. What, a billion? Give, it, give us five billion quid or nearest offer cash and you can have it. <coughs> That's all they need to do. The Daily Express. Heart attack risk in healthy spreads. Oh, no. Warning over butter substitutes. Swapping butter for margarine and vegetable oils could trigger a heart attack. Scientists have warned. <coughs> Excuse me. Decades of dietary advice has been turned on its head after experts uncovered startling new evidence about the danger of healthy spreads. Uh, and Delia Smith is quitting TV. I didn't know she was still on TV. I, I, honestly, I didn't. It's all Barefoot Contessa and um, that Pascal lady and um, Nigel Slater. Who, by coincidence, Nigel Slater, I'm picking up the Daily Mail and I thought it was a picture of Nigel Slater on the front page. It's not. It's um, Hoon's. Is it Hoon or Hoon's? Hoon's. I'm going to say Hoon's. Ex-wife. Looks like Nigel Slater. And uh, you really can if you uh, cook that meat on Monday, then you'll have a lot left over for supper on Thursday. Mm, Yummy. Uh, they're leading with hell hath no fury. Devastating email. <coughs> Excuse me. Reveals how Hune's scorned wife hatched a plot to nail him. And the sum. Picture exclusive. Gaza in the last chance saloon. He grabs airport pint, airport pint on way to rehab. Stricken Paul Gascoigne arrives at a US airport ahead of his emergency rehab stint and grabs a pint in the bar. Here's an idea, sum. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. 
Stop hounding the poor fellow. He's an alcoholic, for goodness sakes. Here's the travel, Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting to look busier out there at the moment. Southbound on the M1, slow between Junction 10 at Luton Airport and 9 at Redbourne. And anti-clockwise on the M25, also queuing between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Again between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley. And also between 18 at Chorleywood and 16 at the M40, looking fairly start-stop there. The Barnet Bypass heading south, also queuing between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. And the North Orbital Road, that's the 405 also still slow, approaching the M25 at Junction 21. A roundabout. Everything else not looking too bad. Trains and tubes are moving nicely at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning at 7.15. It's Wednesday, the 6th of February. Hopefully I can get through this without coughing and splattering too much. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man has been arrested and a replica firearm seized following a standoff with police in Leighton Buzzard last night. David Cameron has described last night's Commons vote in favour of same-sex marriage in England and Wales as a step forward for our country. Less than half, half of his MPs backed the legislation. In sport, Ashley Cole will make his 100th appearance for England tonight in the friendly international against Brazil at Wembley Stadium. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks feeling very cold with wintry showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees. Coming up, teenagers don't have the skills to make them ready for work. So say Buckinghamshire businesses. What advice would you give them to help them get jobs? We'll be speaking to a local businessman before 7.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tackling your consumer problems on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't worry about that loan now. The whole amount has just been taken off. You don't owe a penny. Gosh, I can't believe this. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. This has been six years of hell. Fighting for your rights. You've done more in two weeks than I've done in six years. I can't thank you enough. You've fought it and you've won it. Well, you won it for me. Thank you so much, Jonathan. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. Call the team now. 08459. 455555 BBC Three Counties Radio We're discussing Fleetwood Mac tickets well maybe we'll discuss that a bit more but before that three quarters of local businesses who took part in a survey in Buckinghamshire say young people don't have the skills to make them ready for work among the main issues highlighted are poor timekeeping, poor spelling and grammar, spending too much time on their mobile phones and wanting immediate success. The research was carried out by Aylesbury College and it's now running a work-wise week with local companies to try to improve the situation. Well, Neil Pittman is Managing Director of Aquaforest, a software development company based in Aylesbury. Morning, Neil. Or Elton. Uh, Elton? Is it Elton? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking... Oh, Neil's on the line. I'm so sorry. Good morning, Neil. Morning. You're there. I do apologise. Look, I'm looking at completely the wrong thing. Elton's with us. Elton, I do apologise. We'll get to you in a second. Sorry. Let's start with Neil. Uh, Neil, what's been your experience of recruiting young people? Uh, well, we've been working with Aylesby College, and I think Aylesby College has done a, a very good work job of uh, working with young people. But we have found we've ended up having to do more training of the young people than, than we thought. I know a lot of employers may make comments about um, sort of maths and English skills, mm. um, but, but there are a couple of issues which we actually feel are actually more important than that. And so that, that's really having the sort of work ethic, um, you know, reliability, team working, and actually... Yeah, for a lot of young people that, who've never worked, not familiar with working in a professional environment and who've spent the last several years um, sort of communicating with people on social media, 
they're, they're in for a bit of a, um, a, in some ways, a shock because, for example, we're a software business. We sell globally. We have um, live chat on our website. So a young person who's been asked, if we ask one of our young people to communicate with one of our customers via live chat, they kind of go into, like, texting mode or social media messaging mode. So I think one of the things that's needed is for people to understand the difference between you know, communicating in a professional environment and communicating in a sort of much more informal in- environment with, with their friends. And I think that's something that um, I think employers and the colleges can actually work together to try to sort of um, instill that message in young people. Do people still come uh, with terrible CVs and, and, and badly written application letters? Yes, they do, unfortunately. And we found a lot of people really just don't do themselves justice with their, their CVs. Um, I think, you know, again, the colleges can help them do this. And I think quite often young people don't, don't appreciate that employers are interested in probably everything they've done, even if they've done some voluntary work uh, or so, so any kind of experience that, that shows you know, they've got a dedication and a purpose is actually helpful. We, we had people applying to us who, who said, oh, well, I didn't put that on my CV because I didn't think it would be relevant, but it actually would have been you know, mm. of, of great worth. So, yes, they certainly need some help, help in those areas. Right, Elton is here with me, Elton Bucock, Andy of uh, Urban Media. What's your experience of, of employing young people? OK, we've got some great experience. I've got four apprentices uh, with us at the minute, and every one of them, um, smart, keen, professional. Uh, and guess what? They've got mobile phones too. Mm. So, uh, yeah, they use their mobile phones, but we really don't have any problems with the uh, four apprentices that we've got. Have you, I'm, sure, I'm sure these apprentices are great, but have you had young people come in for apprenticeship positions that haven't displayed that kind of attitude, that have kind of, oh, sorry, mate, I'm just got a text from your mum. You know, they're kind of... Yeah, it. no, we've not actually had that, and we are slightly shielded. We do work with Aylesbury College, and I suppose they do almost some pre-filtering, so I've got to throw that in and say mm. maybe we're just not seeing them. But it's not been our experiences. We get some uh, really great CVs, we get some really bad CVs, and actually, if you took the age away, because, of course, you can't see the age on yep. a CV, um, I couldn't tell you this one is definitely a young person and this one is definitely somebody who's older. So... I think it's it's too simple to say young people haven't got the skills older people do. Why do you take on apprentices? Okay, because uh, for what we're doing, we want to mould them in the way we do things. So if you get the right apprentice, they're definitely teachable. It means that we can uh, gear them up. They're not coming in with too many preconceived ideas uh, and they fit into our culture a lot easier. Uh, Neil, have you had uh, seen people come in for interviews and they've just been awfully prepared? Um, or have yeah. you filtered them out by that stage? Well, yeah, some have been, fil- some have, some have been, been filtered out. Uh, but again, I think it's, it's really just a matter of, on some occasions, everything's fantastic, but on other occasions, they, they just haven't been able to do themselves justice. So I don't think, I think they just, uh, in some cases, do need some extra sort of preparation help from the college. And as employers, we want to get the best of people out of um, our people when, when we interview them, because we want to really understand what they're, what they're able to do. So it's a real shame if they're, they're just not sufficiently well prepared and they haven't put in at least a little bit of enough time to take a look at your website, understand what your business, business is. Hang on a second. They've not, they've not bothered to look at your website and know what you're doing? Um, exactly. So we, we've had cases where you know, they just didn't really seem sufficiently interested to even do that or didn't have the wherewithal to do that, which was a bit surprising. Not the majority, but you know, th- those would be the worst cases. What do you think schools can do, Neil, to, and schools and colleges, to help people, young people, be more prepared for these interviews? Well, I think there's a number of basic things that, you know, along the lines that we've been talking about. I think just some basic work preparedness uh, and interview preparedness sessions they, they can they can you know put together. It, I don't think it's you know it's a lot simpler than fixing someone's grammar. I would say to 
to actually mm. help people prepare for these things. And small businesses like us, and I would encourage other businesses too, to actually be prepared to just spend a little bit of time with, with local colleges um, to actually help, help make this work. Elton, you are working kind of in conjunction with Aylesbury College. Yeah. How did that relationship start? OK, I mean, we started originally working in schools, so it's interesting that you bring that up, because mm. I do think it's actually down to the businesses, not just the colleges. So uh, I think it's a case of working with the schools, the colleges and businesses to help people to become work-ready. Um, so we've been involved in that whole education bit for a while, and obviously when the apprenticeship programme came out, it was a natural step uh, for us to do. Um, so, but anybody can just get in touch with the college and, and mm. say, look, we're interested. Um, we want to work with apprentices. Um, what can we do? Can we come in and help? What, how long does the apprenticeship last? Um, and what, kind of, what do they get afterwards? Do they get a full-time job? Do they get a certificate? How does, it, how does that work? Okay, so the, uh, I suppose the aim for the employer is to give a full-time job at the end. There's no commitment. It's a year-long programme. Um, there's no commitment, but if you've got a good apprentice, if you've invested all of that time, and energy and training in, then why wouldn't you want to keep them? So um, I suppose there is no uh, assurity at the end, but certainly that's what you'd be hoping for. Neil, apprenticeships, are they the way forward? They've kind of, they went out of fashion for a while and there's been a bit of talk about them over the last couple of years, hasn't there? Um, there, there has, and I think, I think no, there's definitely a, definitely a role for them. Um, we certainly obtained you know, some benefit from having the apprenticeships. I think some employers may be put off because some employers may hear some horror, horror stories um, but there's no doubt that, you know, if, with the right apprentices, they can add, add an awful lot of value to the business, and young people will get an enormous amount of value from, from the training they get, and, you know, all, all being well, um, they may be able to join the company, or, or if not, at least they've got the skills and qualifications then to move on elsewhere. Elton, the handshake. The ah, Aylesbury are the... teaching this. I, I was kind of, my tongue was in my cheek, but they're actually teaching the handshake. I, I was listening to that this morning with it. interest. Um, it's absolutely right. That's one thing that's going to put you half off if somebody comes in and does the, the you know, the wet fish mm. handshake. So, um, but you've got to remember the young people, it's about confidence yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's not just about the sort of the maths and English that we've heard or them using mobile phones. How confident were, were you and I at that sort of mm. age? So it is our sort of role almost to mentor and bring in that confidence and, and encourage the firm handshake. Mm. So. But, but not, not cocky. <laughs> you can go too far with the confidence. Yeah. Thing is, I, listen, I'm nearly 40, I'm 40 this year and I still get the interview for this job. Yeah. I was a wreck. I yeah. was a wreck the night before and coming in and it's all, oh, but what if they don't like me? Oh, I don't know. It, 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 that, that, it, it, I guess the trick is, is kind of hiding that and, and making the, it look like you're not that nervous, really, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and all of it's a front in the interview, let's face it, mm. in terms of the confidence, because as you rightly say, you know, whenever you're going for a new interview, it is, you're, you know, you want that job. So, um, you know, but definitely working on the confidence mm. is, is a key part. And I, I'm going to come for your top tips in a second, Elton. Neil, before we let you go, you're, you're, a couple of top tips that you'd have for someone who's applying for a job. OK, uh, just make sure, number one on, on your CV is probably just make sure you put everything, all your experience down, even if you don't think it's terribly relevant. You may be surprised to know what uh, employers think is valuable. Uh, and porky pies on, on uh, CVs, Neil, where do you stand? Just little exaggerations. 
there's a good chance they'll get found out. So I wouldn't, um, oh. maybe some certain amount of embellishment is good marketing, and but too much is um, lying. Neil, thank you. Uh, Elton, go on, a couple of tips. Okay, uh, top tips. Smart, come across smart, regardless of what job, yeah. and research. I think Neil said earlier about somebody not looking at his website. Yeah. Absolutely right. Do your research before you go in. Have something that you can talk about with uh, the prospective employer. And Elton, what about those Fleetwood Mac tickets? Oh, 135 quid? It's just outrageous. And then 50 quid, but that's, that's right at the back of the O2. But Ian, maybe we can go, get over the confidence thing and go hey. and get a job for the night. Ooh, and so then we could be down the front watching Fleetwood Mac. You're a big fella. You could do security. You've got broad shoulders. You could <laughs> handle yourself. Is there any chance that your company could buy me some tickets? Hey, it's something we need to talk about off-air, that clearly. Means, that's a no. That's a no. That's, I think I've probably broken the, the BBC guidelines as well. Elton, sorry for getting your name wrong. Thank you very much for coming in. It's lovely to meet you. Uh, Elton Bucock, MD of Urban Media, uh, and Neil Pittman, uh, who we spoke to, who is uh, Managing di uh, Director of Aquaforest, a software development company. I'm really good teacher. <laughs> oh, that's, I keep playing the wrong... I'm so all over the place today. Let's try that one. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Fingers and thumbs, fat fingers today. It's one of those days. I had such a bad night's sleep. Such a bad night's sleep. We're moving on Friday, OK? So it's where are we now? Wednesday. Packing's not done. Pa pa what, packing? No. Uh, and I'm just kind of in bed, just thinking, oh, we've got to pack. Oh, this is good. Oh, no, I haven't changed the gas. But oh, my goodness. So I'm, I've got like a, 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 a head that's completely full of, uh, of nonsense. We're talking uh, about microchipping dogs. Um, it's going to happen. Three years' time, it's going to be the law. Ben in Buckingham has emailed uh, uh, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Although I agree with the microchipping of dogs, how will this be set up and checked? As some people breed dogs for fighting or to use a, as a weapon, and these people won't care about microchipping their dog. Uh, well, it's true. If they, if they don't microchip it, I think they're going to get in big trouble. Uh, and David in Marsh Farm has texted 81333, starting his text, 3cr. Uh, they are a good thing, but Luton's dog wardens don't have chip readers. Do, you, do we still get dog wardens? I thought they died out in 1982. The lady next door lost her collie, which was chipped. It was taken, uh, she discovered, some days later to a dog's home in Eaton Bray, and they wanted a lot of money to bring the dog home, which I know she could not afford. If wardens had readers, they could have brought the dog home. Do we still have dog wardens that go around with the van and collecting the dogs? I don't think we do. Do, well, this is what we need to find out before nine o'clock. Do dog wardens still exist? I assumed they kind of went in about 1982. And of course, if Eaton Bray, it's, 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 it's a fair distance. Of course, they're going to want a few quid for transporting the dog. They're not going to do it for free, are they, David? OK, we're on the hunt for a dog warden, please. Before that, let's get the travel news. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting on the motorways, heading south on the M1, still slow between Junction 10 at Luton Airport and 9 at Redbourne. Anti-clockwise on the M25, queuing where you'd expect between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at Enfield. Also between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley. And again between 18 at Chorleywood and 16 at the M40. Very start-stop there, I'm afraid. Barnet Bypass heading south, still queuing between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. And uh, also beginning to look busy, Wade's back now, the A5, that's High Street North, heading southbound through Dunstable 
fairly slow this morning, just around at Lynch Hill and the A41 through Ellsby, that's Fire Ridge Road. I'm actually not looking too bad, a little bit slow in patches, just approaching the Walton Street roundabout though. Everything else not looking too bad, trains moving nicely, but if you spot anything, do be sure to let us know. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Right, it's coming up to 7.30, time for the news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A man's been arrested in a replica firearm seized following a standoff with police in Leighton Bozard last night. David Cameron's described last night's Commons vote in favour of same-sex marriage in England and Wales as a step forward for our country. Less than half of his MPs backed the legislation. And a jury's heard that the man accused of murdering Rachel Manning sexually assaulted a student in Milton Keynes ten years later. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ashley Cole will win his 100th cap this evening when England hosts Brazil at Wembley. Manager Roy Hodgson confirmed yesterday that Cole will start at left-back instead of Everton's Leighton Baines. Captain Stephen Gerrard won his 100th cap in a friendly against Sweden last November. Both he and Cole will receive their caps before the game. There was a resilience about the group tonight. There was a determination that probably we haven't seen for a little while here. I thought it was a real good all-round performance and capped off with a good goal late in the game just to seal it. Stevenage boss Gary Smith thereafter Borough's win last night. The Luton Towns players Steve Simon Ange and Andre Gray were involved in England's C's non-league defeat against Turkey last night. Both started the game at Dartford. In the Conference North, Bishop Stortford won 1-0 against Solihull. Conference South, Boreham Wood lost 4-0 against Welling. And in the Southern League Premier Division, Hemel Hempstead won 2-1 away to Chippenham and Chesham lost 3-1 at St Neots. England's cricketers lost their final warm-up match ahead of the 2020 series in New Zealand. They lost by three wickets to a New Zealand 11 in one array. The first of three match series against New Zealand is play, being played at Auckland on Saturday. In tennis, Rafael Nadal made a winning return to action after eight months out through injury and illness. He partnered Juan Monaco in a straight sets doubles victory in the opening round of the ATP event in Chile. And in rugby union, fullback Rob Kearney has agreed teams terms to a new two-year contract with Leinster. It means he'll be at the club until the end of the 2014-2015 season. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. I am Juan Monaco and I want to make love to you. Oh, pack it in, I'm married. On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's just the sexiest name, Juan Monaco. If I ever have another son, I won't. If I do, I'm going to call him Juan Monaco. And he's going to make love to ladies. That's, what, that's all he's going to do. My name is Juan Monaco and I want to make love to you. Coming up in the next half an hour, changes to dog laws come into effect today. Workers who have to go onto private property to do their jobs, postmen, healthcare workers, etc., will be better protected from attacks by dangerous dogs. We'll hear from the Postal Workers Union next. 08459 455 555. I'm also asking this morning as a tribute to some of the um, less, better... Uh, equipped BBC local radio stations. I hope this doesn't get back to any of them. Otherwise, I'm never going to get a job anywhere else when this gravy train comes off the, its biscuit wheels, to paraphrase someone else. Uh, I was driving through various uh, parts of Great Britain yesterday and I heard on a BBC radio station, call in with your chainsaw stories. So, I'm throwing it out there this morning. Call in with your chainsaw stories. 08459 455 555 or you can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. 
Now, in the last year, it's estimated over 140 postmen have been attacked by dogs in the three counties. The figures from the Communication Workers' Union says it's because the Dangerous Dogs Act 1991 has failed to deal with problems of irresponsible dog ownership and failed to protect the victims of dog attacks. Well, today, the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs says uh, will announce a number of changes to dog laws from 2016. The Communication Workers' Union Health, Safety and Environment Officer it is Dave Joyce. Morning, Dave. Good morning. You've been leading a campaign about this for a number of years. What exactly have you been campaigning for? Well, we certainly do welcome today's announcement. It's been a long time coming, um, and uh, the announcement is, as you say, that uh, England's dangerous dogs laws are about to, uh, to change, and we've been campaigning for these changes for our bite-back campaign since 2007-2008, when 6,500 postal workers were attacked and injured by dogs that, uh, that particular year and it amounts to 12 attacks every day. Why, what, why has the 1991 Dangerous Dog Act failed? What was lacking from it? Well, it had a major loophole, and the proposal that's coming out from the government today now proposes to close that loophole, and that is that the law doesn't apply on private property. Um, 70% of the attacks on postal workers occur on private property, and uh, they're irrespective of how, um, uh, how, how serious those attacks are, and two of our members were nearly killed in dog attacks, wow. then there is no criminal um, accountability for the owner um, for those uh, for those attacks and, and injuries, and that needs to change. Our campaign has resulted in changes to the laws in Scotland and Northern Ireland, and Wales is in the process of changing the law. It just left England, and they've been dragging their feet for many years. We've put a lot of pressure on the government to bring about these changes and they will announce this change extending the law to private property today so it's a major breakthrough it's the kind of thing that it, it's sort of a joke isn't it it's all, i remember it always being in the beano the the postie getting attacked by the dog but you're saying two of your members almost died what happened to them they were both attacked by two dogs on private property and um they both nearly lost an arm they had um wow. they were in uh, intensive care for six to eight weeks they had a series of um, operations uh, to save their lives and save the 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 the, the their limbs, in fact, and uh, they've ended up uh, badly scarred and badly injured, both uh, physically and psychologically. Fortunately, both of them survived the attacks. They were both big men, strong men. If they had been smaller stature, maybe a woman, they they wouldn't have survived those attacks. Well, you you say that you you see you see young lads doing the post, and you see ladies doing the post, and you see smaller fellas doing the post. That's that's incredible. Are, are they back at work, Dave? Or um, they are back. They are back at work now. Fortunately, yeah. um, one of them is still on restricted duties. The other one has returned to doing um, deliveries, but of course he's left with a lifelong phobia about uh, about dogs. And wow. um, from time to time, he, he does have uh, terrible flashbacks uh, to to that attack on that fateful fateful day. So this law is coming into uh, uh, into effect. It's going to take place. It means that if a, if a postie is attacked by a dog on private property, it, like charges can be pressed uh, against the owner. Has it gone far enough, Dave? Are you happy with this? Um, well, certainly that is the major change that we required. There are a couple of other things like dog control notices we wanted added to the change in England. For, I don't know why that Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales has introduced those. Um, uh, in England, they've said that they, they're not going to go so far as to introduce the dog control notice, which is a preventative notice. They've said that they've got uh, adequate uh, um, arrangements in legislation to be able to deal with that now. But the main change is this extension to private property that we wanted um, so badly to be changed um, so that uh, you know these irresponsible owners uh, can be held to account <clears throat> if they allow their dogs, if they don't control their dogs and they allow their dogs to attack and injure postal workers. And, and, and that change, obviously, uh, can't come quick enough. Uh, Dave, listen, fascinating. David Joyce there, the uh, uh, Communication Workers Union Health, Safety and Environment Officer. Two postmen were nearly killed. I find that incredible. 
Isn't that incredible? Well, from 2016, you're going to need to get your dog microchipped, and uh, if attacks from dogs take place on private property, you can now press charges. Well, David Biggerstaff's daughter was attacked by a dog when she was five. He ended up having a fight with the dog's owner. Morning, David. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Tell us your story, what happened? Well, uh, my son, uh, whose birthday it is today, can I just wish my son Mark a, a happy birthday from Mum and Dad? No, you know? may not, David. Oh, yes, no, okay. go, no, go, I'm teasing, of course you can, of course you can. Yeah, he's, um, well, he was seven at the time. He how old, how old is he now, David? He's 45 today. <laughs> Good lad, bless him. OK, so yeah. go on, what happened? He's, he's always into your radio station. Well, he's, well in that case, happy he, birthday. Um, he, he was seven at the time. He come running up the field. Dad, Daddy, the dog's attacking Vanessa. That's my daughter. She was five then. Yeah. And uh, when I get down there and confront the owner, the dog was more playful, jumping all over her rather than attacking. Yeah. But then a five-year-old wouldn't know that. Oh, a five-year-old would be terrified. Yeah, so... But he was nice about it. We walked up the road. It wasn't him that I had to confront him with. Okay. The son come out and started having a go at me, because I was having a go at his dad, um, about the dog. Anyway, he took a swing at me, and I, I was a bit quick to get out of the way. But when I hit him back, I broke his glasses. I ended up losing a shift of work, pay for a £60 pair of glasses, all through the fault of the dog. Yeah. This has cost me over a hundred pounds, and I'm going back to when my daughter was five. That was a lot of money then. You know, I think it, it was just something that was, you know, so silly that could have been avoided. Do you think that micro on... is microchipping the way forward, David? Uh, I think it's a good idea, probably with cats and dogs, personally. But um, it's it's one thing. I think, to put an idea in, but it's another thing to get it up and running, isn't it? Yeah, that's you the know? thing. That's the I thing, isn't it? Getting, I, making everyone follow it. it. Sorry? That's the thing, getting everyone to follow it. Well, yeah, you know, some of these macho men, I've seen them. Um, my other son lives in Luton. You see him walking down a street with a dog, and you, I sometimes want to cross over the other side of the road. You know, it's just that type of dog. You look at it and think, poof. Me. Uh, David, listen, thank you very much. David Biggerstaff there telling about, uh, about when his daughter was attacked, not quite attacked, 37 years ago, and it's still bearing the grudge today. You would do, wouldn't you? I, listen, if there's a dog, if your dog attacks my boys, I'm going to kick that dog in the face. I, and, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a great animal lover. That dog is going to get a kick in the face, a kick in the stomach, uh, a finger up the watsits, whatever, whatever it takes until he lets go of my boy and runs off. Without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt, you would do that, wouldn't you? That's right, isn't it? Am I being am I being a little bit over aggressive? You see your kids being attacked by a dog. Dog's biting it. Won't leave it alone. I'm going to kick that dog in the face. And I listen. I'm uh, completely, you know, uh, I'm a vegetarian for goodness sakes. But I would kick a dog in the face in the stomach if it was attacking my boy. Would you do the same? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Or maybe you're a dog owner and you think that's a little bit too aggressive. No, don't kick my dog. No, don't kick my dog, don't bite my son. Simple as. 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number. You can text 81333. Starting your text 3CR, or you can give us uh, uh, go to facebook.com forward slash 
BBC 3CR. We're talking about young people struggling to get jobs. Um, is it because there aren't that many jobs? Well, it's part of the reason. Is it because young people don't have the right attitude? David has texted in 81333, starting his text 3CR and including his name. 50 years ago, when I was 16, looking for a job, I checked out who their clients were and created new promotions, gave firm handshakes and still didn't get the job. Oh, there you go. So went self-employed. It doesn't always work. Maybe there was maybe there was something wrong with you, David. I don't know. There, perhaps there was. I'm intrigued by this this front page of the Sun. Firstly, because there's um, a young lady with a zip-up dress. Let's just say she's forgotten to zip it all the way up before the photographer took the picture. Yeah, I don't know if she's aware, but a little bit of her bra is showing. Hey, very, very, very cheeky. Oh my god. Um, but the, the front page of the Sun, picture exclusive. Gaza in the last chance saloon. He grabs airport pint on the way to rehab. Stricken Paul Gascoigne arrives at a US airport ahead of his emergency rehab stint and grabs a pint in the bar. The alcoholic ex-England idol, 45, landed in Phoenix, Arizona yesterday after worried pals paid for his treatment. Last night, his legions of fans were back home wishing him a full recovery. Full story, page five. We turn to page five. There's pictures of him in an airport drinking beer. One for the road to recovery. Alcoholic Gaza grabbed one final drink yesterday before heading off to rehab for a last-ditch attempt to conquer his demons. A shocked British witness told how the desperate soccer legend ordered the pint the moment a minder left him briefly alone in a US airport. Moments later, the pal returned, took the beer and hauled the star from the boozer. Well, here's an idea, son. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. He's an alcoholic. You know what? He might die soon. It's possible. I hope he doesn't. It's very, very possible. Looking quite likely. Leave him alone. Don't take pictures of him. Or if that picture was sent to you by a British tourist, don't print it. You don't have to print that photo of a man hitting rock bottom. Why would you want to print a photo on the front page of a newspaper, Britain's biggest selling newspaper, of a man hitting his absolute rock bottom? A man who's lost dignity, has lost self-respect... And you're put, taking a picture and putting it on the front page of a newspaper. It's not, it's not supportive. It's not helpful. It's exploitative. Why would you do that? Just leave him alone. Let him have a little bit of peace. Let's hope that he finds recovery. He'll get it if he wants it. That's the thing. I don't know if he does want it. We may not know. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Just going to an £8,000 a week clinic isn't enough to get you clean. You've got to want to get clean and sober. That's, that's, you've, got to, you've got to believe that you want that. Uh, it would appear that he doesn't. We'll see. 08459 455 555. Your dog attacks my kid. I'm going to kick it in the face. Is that too much? Would you be upset if you're a dog owner? Here's the travel news now. Sophie Tyler. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking fairly busy out there at the moment, starting off on the A1 southbound through Roxton. It is uh, fairly slow just around the Great Barford Bypass at the Black Cat Roundabout there. And heading south again through Biggleswade, slow between Biggleswade South and Radwell, just at the A1M at Junction 10. And the Barnet Bypass still slow as well, where you'd expect, just around Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Now the A10, Great Cambridge Road heading south through Chesant, also slow, just approaching the M25 at Junction 25 at Enfield. And moving on to the motorway southbound on the M1, also slow. 
slow, still with around 20 minutes worth of delays between 10 at Luton Airport and 7 at Hemel Hempstead, and slow as well on the M25 anti-clockwise between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield, and delays of nearly an hour as well between Junction 20 at Kings Langley, all the way through to 15 at the M4. Trains and tubes moving nicely this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning, 7.45. It's uh, Wednesday, the 6th of February. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man has been arrested in a replica firearm seized following a standoff with police in Leighton Buzzard last night. David Cameron has described last night's common vote in favour of same-sex marriage as a step forward for our country. Less than half of his MPs backed the legislation. In sport, Stevenage beats Notts County 2-0 in League One last night. They now move up to 12th in the table. Coming up, if you're at work, your bosses might let you listen to the radio or music in the background. Well, firefighters in Bedfordshire are no longer able to do that because it will cost the service up to £15,000 a year and they won't pay for it. We'll find out more before 8 o'clock, but now let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's rather a grey start to the day. There's a bit of rain out there as well, but the good news is temperatures above freezing, so it is falling as rain and there's nothing else. This is really the story for the day. The rain will come and go. We may get a bit of a wintry mix in there, maybe some hail, some sleet from time to time, but most of it a rain. Temperature-wise, we're looking at 5 Celsius, the maximum 41 degrees in Fahrenheit, uh, but it won't feel that warm if I can say warm and that's because of the wind quite a strong northwesterly I'm afraid so feeling very cold now towards the end of the afternoon we may start to see the sky bright and a bit a little bit of hazy sunshine peeking through just before it gets dark but it paves the way uh, for things to come overnight some long clear spells which means temperatures dropping right down a frosty night expected despite hanging on to those brisk northerly winds they should start to ease towards dawn tomorrow minimum temperature minus 228 degrees in Fahrenheit. Not too bad tomorrow actually for the three counties we're looking dry, a little bit of cloud around but some bright spells as well but we are hanging on to that wind which means temperatures won't feel the predicted 5 Celsius 41 degrees in Fahrenheit. That's your forecast. Thank you very much. Weekdays from three, local news. Campaigners are holding a protest against a wind turbine that could be built near the Buckinghamshire village of Ford. Discussion. And we were told when he was five days old that the only way for him to have a life outside of a wheelchair would be to have a through-knee amputation at the age of one. Debate. Coming up after six, we've got an hour discussing business and finance. Later in the show, it's all about the entertainment world. It's the family and lifestyle debate. It's our politics panel discussing how politics affects us. Roberto Perez. Weekdays from 3 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. So if you're at work, then your boss might allow you to listen to the radio. I don't know, BBC Three Counties uh, Radio, that's us. Or maybe a bit of music in the background. They might put on a James Last CD or some Claydon or something nice. Well, firefighters in Bedfordshire are no longer able to do that because it will cost the service up to £15,000 a year and they won't pay it. Pat Carberry chairs the Brigade Committee of the Fire Brigades Union in Bedfordshire. Morning, Pat. Good morning, Ian. Why is it going to cost fifteen grand a year? Uh, well, from what I can gather, the uh, licensing authority has contacted the uh, brigade and notified them that they have a legal requirement to have a license uh, in order to uh, 
uh, have radios played uh, amongst the staff, you know, during working hours. Uh, and in order to actually uh, obtain these licences, the uh, the cost is going to be in the region of fifteen thousand pounds. So this is this is PRS, and this is that, that kind of public. It's a public licence to have if you've got more than I can't remember the exact wording. If you've got more than three people listening to a radio or something, it's considered a, a public place, and therefore you have to have a licence for it. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, of course, it's not just the fire service that uh, would fall under that. Uh, I think we're not in that sort of um, uh, realm where. Um, the licensing people are, are, are chasing around various different mm. places, so you know it's it's not just going to be our industry. Well, I've I've heard in, uh, in in another life, Pat. I've heard um, shops, you know, just like a little corner shop where they've got a radio on. Someone's gone in and said, "Yeah, I'm sorry, you're going to have to pay us uh, a few thousand pounds to have that radio on, or you switch it off." Do you think it's? Do you understand why this is is taking place, or do you think it's a little bit ridiculous? It may seem ridiculous and it may seem petty, but at the end of the day, you know, the uh, the artists and performers who uh, produce the music have a right to be paid for it. And, of course, the revenue from the licensing, uh, the revenue from CD sales and downloads all goes towards paying uh, their salaries. So they do have a right to sort of have their payment. But I, th- I think that the problem for so many people is they haven't been aware in the past that it is uh, somehow or other unlawful to listen to music in a public place. You know, and, and you, you, you kind of take for granted that, that fundamental entitlement to, to listen and enjoy um, others' tunes without having to actually have a, a piece of paper in your pocket to say that you've paid a licence uh, to do so. So are other, the, the firemen and women, uh, are, are they now... Is there silence in their, their, uh, um, their stations? Uh, pretty much so. Um, you know, it's, it's a couple of weeks ago since we found this out, and immediately when the brigade was notified that there was a requirement for a licence, uh, they took the immediate step uh, of issuing an instruction that no music uh, is to be played uh, on stations or, or, or no uh, um, DVDs are, are to be watched on stations either. Um, it is a prudent step because they, they now know that there is an obligation there and that, that, that there could be a liability to uh, um, prosecution for failure uh, to implement the, the, the ban. Um, however, you know, um, there is a way that we can get the licences. It, it would mean us having to use our own funds, i.e. The, the, the firefighters on ground uh, having a whip round. To come up with 15 grand? Um, it would have to be on an individual station basis, and, and as I'm sure you can appreciate, £15,000 is quite a lot of money, um, but when divided amongst uh, yeah. the, the 16 stations that we have, it, it, it is a lot less. So, so it's £15,000 across all of the stations, as yeah. opposed to £15,000 per station? No, it's not £15,000 per station. Right, OK. Across the station. It might not seem a great deal of money um, for an organisation the size of Bedfordshire and Luton Fire and Rescue, uh, but at the end of the day, you have to look at it. We're in austerity times. Yep. We're having to make what money that we get coming in stretch even further, and there's less of it at the end of the day. So, um, you know, any amount of public money that we're going to use for such things as uh, as licensing for uh, public entertainment licenses and what have you to play the music, um, it really needs to be thought out quite carefully before we... We would commit to actually using public are, for that. Are these um, the, these the, the, the fire service? Are they really going to bother following this rule? Is, is if, if anybody came in from PRS and said, "Right, right, lads and ladies, turn that off now. Turn that Robbie Williams off now," they would be pretty cold and heartless to do that to the fire service, wouldn't they? 
Um, reality is that that could happen. And although we might do an extraordinary job, and, you know, the, the public do love us for that, um, it doesn't grant us any exemption from having to comply with what every other workplace has to do. Uh, and, you know, that's that's one of the, the sad realities of where we are, particularly when it comes to uh, uh, the entitlement that people have for payments. You know, they can be quite heartless, and, and as I say, just because we're firefighters, it, we, we can't rely on that kind of uh, uh, goodwill to uh, give us exemption. Now, listen, I, I have a lot of respect for the fire service, partly because my boy loves fire engines, and, and so that makes his life a whole lot uh, more, more fun. Uh, and I've contributed to, to fire services and things like that before, but would be, if, people, if you're out there shaking a bucket and people put in a quid or a couple of quid and they say, oh, what's that for? Oh, it's so we can, um, we can listen to the Beatles. Uh, do, you think, do you think the public would be happy to contribute towards that? I think everyone else is in the same position, you know, that uh, money is tight. And I, I think it, would, it wouldn't be fair for us to go out in the street and start expecting the public to start putting money in to pay for our, uh, our ability to listen to music. It is important to us. Um, at the end of the day, we're a service where uh, the majority of our staff work 24 hours on duty. So they'll, they'll start at 9 o'clock in the morning. They'll still be in the same workplace uh, at 9 o'clock the following day when they will go off duty. And that's a long time to be in one space, uh, one uh, workplace. And the music does mean a lot to them. Yeah. You know, it, it is that breaking the monotony uh, when you're doing those everyday things such as testing equipment, uh, um, working out in the oh, gym. Of course. Uh, and it, it, it does mean a lot to them, but I think it would be a bit... Uh, it wouldn't be a, a good use of our uh, time to actually go out and, and ask the public to start paying. Pat, can, Pat, can you sing? Can you play guitar or, or a bit of piano? Uh, no, I uh. wouldn't. I wouldn't uh. wish that my colleagues That's at all. That's a shame. That could have, we could have stumbled on the answer. Pat, listen, thank you very much. Pat Carberry chairs the Fire Brigade Committee of the Fire Brigade's Union in Bedfordshire. Come on. Listen, I've heard this, and uh, if you work in a shop, I wonder if this has happened to you, a shop or an office. Have you um, had the music playing and someone's come in? I've heard these stories before. Someone comes in and says, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm from PRS, and I'm afraid you're going to have to either pay us £15,000 or switch that radio off. Have you had that happen in your workplace? I remember doing a phone-in on this a couple of years ago, and loads of people... I, I didn't think we'd get any takers on it. Loads of people called up. They said, oh, yeah, I won... Uh, I run... Um, it was a, I remember a cobblers, a guy running a little cobblers. He gets, what, four people in at a time, and he got told off for not having a licence. Well, we can talk now to Robert Oxley, who's the campaigning manager for the Taxpayers' Alliance. Morning, Robert. Morning. Have you come across this situation before? I think we've, we've all seen it in a couple of workplaces where unnecessary regulations are, get, are being basically killjoys. And I think particularly in the fire service, you know, fire officers spend a lot of time on call and, you know, they're simply waiting to get called out to the next fire where they could be putting their lives on the line. And the idea that simply, you know, that the, the fact that there's a few of them sat there around listening to the radio, that they somehow have to stump up this huge sum. It's a perfect example of why regulations are so often getting in the way of what we actually do in everyday life. And I think, you know, okay, in the fire service, this one, they've had to say that they're not going to do, they're not going to have to hand over taxpayers' money. But also, you know, businesses are subject to this. The same small business, you know, struggling through the recession has got through all of this um, uh, and has, has spent their life trying to balance the books. And suddenly they've been told that actually during the day you can't listen to a bit of a BBC Free Counties radio. And I think that's frankly ridiculous. I was interested in what Pat was saying just then. He kind of... I was surprised how um, understanding he was because the, the money from these, these licences does go towards 
um, paying uh, the artists. So that's kind of part of the way they make their money. They should be rewarded for their work, shouldn't they? That's why we pay stuff like the licence fee. That's why advertisers pay stuff to commercial radio stations. But the point here is having incredibly expensive uh, licences for small businesses and fire stations. It's just one of those extra regulations. I think, look, you know, there is obviously art. You want to see artists kind of get the pay for, for, the, for the music they, they, they make. But at the same time, you know, kind of putting these regulations onto bodies Especially when it is simply, you know, this isn't a pub, this is what they're calling a public entertainment license. You know, we're not having paying customers around the fire station dancing all night. What we've got is, you know, five or six firemen sat there listening to music, possibly watching TV at the time. And that, that's the point. It's actually, you know, let's actually have a bit of uh, reason compared to, to the, 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 the regulations that we're putting forward. It's, it's a messy a thing. It's a public entertainment license. And mm. that's not what's going on at the fire service, is it? It's, fire, you know, it's firemen sitting around, like, waiting for the next call. That's not public entertainment. That's just, like, uh, overkill with unnecessary regulation. Robert, I, I, I appreciate your passion on the subject. Thank you very much. Robert Oxley, campaigning manager for the Taxpayers uh, Alliance. I, I agree with him. It's a nonsense. Yeah, it, it is a nonsense, isn't it? Of course. Can we get? We should get someone from the PRS really on to explain their point of view because they, they will argue. Well, the artists do need to be rewarded, and with file sharing and the internet, they're losing some of their income. Um, but firemen, come on, it's firemen. Do you work in a shop or an office? Has this happened to you? Maybe you've got a little shop in Luton or in Milton Keynes, or you work in a supermarket in Bedford or something like that, and someone has come in and said, "Yeah, you've got to turn that off." Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Or maybe you think it's a fuss about nothing, and yeah, of course, Elton John and Robbie Williams—they should be rewarded for the excellent music they make. Travel news now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading through Enfield on the A10, we have reports the one lane is blocked and there's queuing traffic following a broken down lorry at Junction 25 at the M25. Uh, it's just happened on the roundabout there. We'll bring you more on that as and when it comes in. Landing south on the Great North Road through Roxton, also slow at the Black Cat roundabout and southbound again through Biggleswade. Fairly slow this time as well at Biggleswade south and uh, back down towards Radwell. Now the A41 at southbound still suffering with delays between the Hemel Hempstead turn-off and Junction 20 of the M25 at Kings Langley and anti-clockwise on the M25, more delays of nearly an hour between 20 at Kings Langley and 15 at the M4. Southbound on the M1, more delays as well between 11 at Dunstable and 9 at Redbourne and disruption on First Capital Connect between Letchworth Garden City and Moorgate and Welling Garden City and Moorgate as well following a lineside fire. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. So, in the last hour, what are we looking for? Is it true if you put your finger up a dog's bottom, it stops biting you? Your chainsaw stories, and have the PRS come round to your shop and bother you? We'll talk about that after the news with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, it's eight o'clock. The headlines: Man arrested after Leighton Bozard siege. Gay marriage vote hailed as a step forward and claims young people in Buckinghamshire aren't ready for work. BBC Three Counties Radio. A man's been arrested following a standoff with police in Leighton Bozard. Officers were contacted by a caller concerned about the safety of a man at an address in Bridge Street at around five o'clock yesterday afternoon. A cordon was erected while negotiators talked to him, and at around ten thirty, the man was arrested by an armed response team. They also seized an imitation firearm. 
David Cameron has hailed the Commons' vote in favour of same-sex marriage in England and Wales last night as a step forward for our country. The measure was approved by a big majority, but less than half of Conservative MPs backed it. The Conservative MP for Milton Keynes South, Ian Stewart, gave an impassioned speech in the Commons that was only slightly marred by someone with a cold and terrible timing. I look at the marriage that my parents have, 45 years and going strong, and I aspire to the same thing. I don't have someone at the minute, but if I do, I want to cherish that person, to love them, support them. It's not just about a ceremony. Detectives are reappealing for key witnesses to come forward after a shooting last Wednesday afternoon in Luton. A 36-year-old woman was injured in the incident, which happened as she sat in a car with her partner at the junction of Wellington and Russell Street. Police want to hear from a white woman seen walking a dog in the park nearby, a white man with bleached blonde hair who was walking up Wellington Street, and a man around 60 who was standing outside the door to flats in Wellington Street near to the junction with Russell Street. Buckinghamshire business leaders are concerned that today's crop of young people aren't prepared for the world of work. In a survey carried out by Aylesbury College, three quarters of those who responded said youngsters weren't work ready and have real problems with spelling and grammar, as well as timekeeping and a general work ethic. 140 postmen have been attacked by dogs across the three counties over the past year. It comes as the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs today announces a number of changes to dog laws. Serena Farrow has more. The Communication Workers' Union says the situation's getting worse because the Dangerous Dogs Act 1991's failed to deal with problems of irresponsible dog ownership and hasn't really helped protect dog attack victims either. DEFRA now want compulsory microchipping from 2016 and they also want to extend the law to protect workers who have to go into private property in order to do their jobs. Those people like postal men and women and healthcare workers. They claim it'll also help improve responsible ownership and help identify owners of dogs which attack both people and animals. In sports, Stevenage beat Notts County 2-0 in League One last night. That moves them up to 12th in the table. Sam Hoskins put Stevenage ahead in the first minute and Marcus Haber sealed the deal in the closing minutes. As for the weather, feeling very cold with wintry showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees Celsius, that's 41 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. <laughs> Suddenly it's eight o'clock. I had to look at the clock twice then. I thought it was only seven. It's eight. Oh, we're on the home straight. It's all downhill from here. We can take our foot off the gas. No, we cannot. We speed up. Uh, lots coming up in the last hour of the show. And as always, I'd like to get your opinions on them, please. Including a man has been arrested following a standoff with police in Leighton Buzzard. Our reporter, Sophie Solaria, has spent the morning there to find out what's happened since. Teenagers don't have the skills to make them ready for work. So say Buckinghamshire businesses. What advice would you give young people to help them get jobs? And firefighters in Bedfordshire can no longer listen to the radio or music in the office because it'll cost the fire service £15,000 in total. Have you been chased for money by the Performing Rights Society? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. You can also go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR, or you can send us a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. I've, uh, I've had a, um, a tweet. We pay PRS. This is a small local shop. We pay PRS, sh so should the firemen. Scrounging bees. 
Olympics. I don't know if you could call, call them that. Um, <laughs> they then go on. I've asked how much do you pay? They then replied, £120 a year. We also have to pay PPL, which is another 120. I don't know what PPL is. And then he's put a very, very naughty swear word at the end there. He's not happy with having to make that payment. Have you guys got to go to pay PRS for a bit of the radio? 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Now, a man has been arrested following a standoff with police in Leighton Buzzard. Police were contacted by a concerned caller about the safety of a man in Bridge Street at around 5pm. The area was cordoned off while negotiators talked to him. Several hours later, the man was arrested by an armed response team who also seized an imitation firearm. Look East reporter Neil Bradford was there last night. Well, I arrived probably about uh, two hours into the standoff. Um, it happened just as the shops were closing and people were beginning to head home. That's around five o'clock when police were called to Bridge Street. Some people who were in the shops had to be led to safety by police officers while the standoff continued. Now, the man made threats to the police officer that he had a gun, so you can imagine the armed response team were called in, as were police dogs, and they surrounded the flat and negotiations continued for several hours. Was anyone hurt? No, no shots were fired. The standoff ended peacefully at around 10.30 last night, uh, some five and a half hours uh, after it began. Because of the nature of the threats that the man was making, army bomb disposal experts were called in. Uh, they also carried out a search of the property after the man was arrested. Firefighters were also on standby. Uh, and as I say, a number of people who were in the shops on Bridge Street had to be uh, led to safety. Uh, now, police officers did move into the uh, property after the negotiations. Uh, they recovered a replica firearm. And the man, who's 42 years, years old, was led away uh, by two police officers. I saw him wearing a blood-stained top. Now, that comes probably from uh, injuries uh, not related to firearms. There was no suggestion that any guns were fired at all. He was led away by two police officers and treated by paramedics. Well, the man is in custody and the cordon will remain in place while investigations take place. We've sent our reporter, Sophie Solaria, there. She's at the scene now this morning. Sophie, where exactly are you and what's it like there? I am just outside the Sue Riders shop at the top of Bridge Street here. And actually, it would be hard to believe that anything happened here at all last night, to be honest. Any police or cordons that were once here have now left the scene and things are back to normal. Well, from where I stand, they are. From those who don't know, Layton's buzzard very well. It's a busy town centre. The area is sort of shaped in a triangle made by Bridge Street, West Street and Friday Street. All three streets were cordoned off by police last night, apparently, and marked by a multitude of armed officers guarding the area as well. Um, as I say from the top of Bridge Street, um, it was completely cordoned off a few hours ago, in fact. Uh, from, from here I can see the high street. It's lined by regular shops, opticians, news agents, sandwich shops, etc. And from last night, last, uh, for a place last night that was actually desolate, desolate completely, by all accounts, and I've been speaking to people in the area this morning who have told me that the place was teeming with police all evening and all shops were evacuated from 6pm. Actually, I, I met some people yesterday that were, oh, this morning, sorry, that were eyewitnesses and I spoke to them earlier. If you take a listen to this. You live round here. How yeah. does it feel to know that there was a siege just where you're standing right now here on Bridge Street? Quite scary. I wish there'd been a bit more information or at least something a bit more on the telly about it. Yeah, quite scary. Trying to get home as well was a bit of a nightmare. Mm. Had to get a taxi and everything. So, so yeah. it kind of changed your evening? Oh, yeah, definitely. What have you seen? What have you heard? Well, it was on Facebook, Facebook, isn't it? Yeah, man on the roof on the solicitors or something. It's down on Bridge Street. Yeah, that's all we know. 
they sort of cordoned off down the bottom of the town, that's all we knew. How do you so, feel about that happening in your town? Well, I live up New Road and there was a stabbing, stabbing on Sunday, yeah. so... And I live sort of near the station, so exactly the same, so yeah. yeah. It's just a day in the life. Yeah, it's a bit scary. Not as quiet as you think. <laughs> Sorry, sir, so you were working yesterday? Yeah, I went to work uh, by uh, opposite Waitrose car park and uh, it was all blocked off, but that's all I know. Did you, did you see the police and speak to anybody? No, no, because I was working inside, so I just saw it was all blocked off. And that's it? That's it, yeah. Have you heard anything since? No. Well, it sounds like most people were finding out uh, about the information on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to read more about the siege, you can head to our website, bbc.co.uk forward slash three counties. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. That was loud, wasn't it? So, uh, firemen won't be allowed to listen to the radio or music or watch DVDs. They can watch the telly, so they can watch Homes Under the Hammer and the good stuff like that, but they can't listen to music because they've got to pay PRS. Um, Luanne is in Flitwick. Morning, Luanne. Good morning, Ian. Uh, have you ever been chased by the PRS? I have, yeah. Well, where, where, where do you work? Um, I've got a toy shop in Ampthill. Oh, I've got, oh, yes, of course, yes. Parents and frogs. Yes. Um, basically, I when, in, when I was in my old shop, um, we had a TV, which we used to have um, the children's BBC programme on. Yeah. And um, it was brilliant because the parents absolutely loved it. And they came in and said that I, I had a TV licence for it, but I needed to pay this um, music licence to have the telly on. And I, I looked into it and actually it wasn't true. They said um, that I had to pay this 125 or whatever, £250 or whatever it was. Yeah. So I ended up turning it off. Um, as, as fate would have it, I actually moved out of that shop and moved into a different shop. And um, when I moved into my new shop, I found that it was really difficult not having any background music on. Because yeah. obviously I've been so used to having this music. And they came in and said, well, you're not allowed to play radio, music or anything until you pay this license. So I end up listening to you guys really low when I've got no customers and turning it off as soon as the bell rings as the door moves. Whoa, hey, whoa, hang on, Luanne, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. Why? So you're... Well, no, you're off the radio by the time I get to work. <laughs> Thank God. So it's Jonathan Vernon-Smith who's going to get, get in yeah. trouble. And goodness for that. I don't, you, can't inv- you can't involve the BBC. We're already involved in enough scandals. Have you not seen what <laughs> the, the newspapers the last six months? We shouldn't be so good then. J- JVS in doesn't pay PRS scandal. I hope they haul him up and lock him away for a long time. How soon after you moving into your new shop, did they um, <coughs> come round? They haven't actually been to my new shop yet. Oh. But they have been round the town because I I currently chair the um, the Chamber of Trade in the town, yeah. and um, they have they have been knocking on some people's doors in the town, um, and everybody's just going you know they can't work out whether they're for real or whether they're because um, there are a couple of shops in town that do play music right. and quite loud music. It's not as if you can kind of not know it's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we didn't know whether or not it was like soundtracks because I was playing Christmas music over Christmas. Yeah, as you would do. Yeah, and there are, there are people coming. And going, oh, you know, should you be playing that? I'm like, well, you know, it's a really boring shop if you haven't got Christmas music for children, you know, or playing something. It keeps the, it actually keeps the shoppers shopping, believe it or not, because you don't feel like you're being watched every minute when you're walking around the shop. You actually feel like there's something kind of, you know, keeping you there. What, what do these PRS people look like? I'm kind of imagining sort of like men in black suits with ties and dark sunglasses. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, lesser sunglasses. The last one that came round to me actually was quite young. Well, wow. He was quite a young guy. I would say probably late 20s. 
How very, it's very spooky. Yeah, but as I say, I, I, I don't really want to have to pay the money. No. But I talk to my customers instead of having the music instead, and it works very Good well. Good for you. Good old-fashioned conversation. I'm glad to hear that Jonathan Vernon-Smith is implicated in this potential uh, legal battle. And it, not me. That's excellent news. Kerry's from Upper Stomven near Henlow. Morning, Kerry. Good morning. Uh, you've been chased by the PRS as well, have you? Well, what happens, I run a small business park and they, they send letters, they must troll through the business pages and they send lovely polite letters saying, do you listen to the radio at work? Um, you may need a licence, but contact us and we can help you. Oh. And that's what they do. So then you contact them and you say, well, yes, but I just listened to it, you know, a little bit. Next thing, you get an invoice for, I think it's about £90. If you don't pay it and you ignore it, they then increase it. Then if you contact them, they are... Well, we had one chap, um, an elderly chap, who just runs a little metal business, and they were really nasty. They caused him serious distress. And I contacted Consumer Direct for him, and they gave me some information, and uh, they actually said that if he's working on his own, and he doesn't have sort of members of the public that come in and buy from him, which was the case, yeah. then I wrote to the PRS uh, asking them to stop harassing him and pointing out that as a small... There's some, there were some terms they gave me, and he uh, received an apology from them. Well, good for them, and good for you, Kerry. Thank you for that. Got a couple of texts. Um, Tim says, we pay PRS at work for four of us to have the radio on, but we also got caught by the PPLs. Oh, it sounds nasty. Again, for something for who, who on earth are these PPLs? I might start up an ILL. And you have to pay me £120 for listening to Jonathan Vernon Smith at work. Sharon says, I think it's a real shame for the firemen they can't have the radio on while they're sitting around waiting for jobs to come in. If we all pay just one pence extra on our council tax, I think they would easily buy them a licence. Oh, Sharon, it's a nice idea, but I don't think the world works like that, really. And to be honest, if I'm, can I be honest? I don't want to pay 1p extra so that firemen can listen to Hart or listen to Robbie Williams. I know, because if I'm paying 1p to them, then I'll have to pay 1p to the police, and then I'll have to pay 1p... Do you see? It kind of expands. Or is that me being really tight? It could be. Right, 8.15, travel news. Show me Tyler. Come on, Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking at the normal delays this morning, I'm afraid. Clockways on the M25, very slow, though, following an earlier accident, which has now been moved to the hard shoulder between Junction 16 at the M40 and 17 at Maple Cross. And on the A10 through Enfield, we still have reports as well that one lane is blocked with queuing traffic following a broken-down lorry just at the M25 exit at Junction 25 on the roundabout there. Now, everything else not actually looking too bad. The usual delays, Barnet Bypass still slow southbound around the Watford Bypass, the A1 southbound through Great North Road, also slow at the Black Cat roundabout, but moving on to the M1 southbound, we're having quite a few problems this morning. 15 minute worth of delays on the uh, junction 11 at Dunstable exit, back to junction 10 at Luton Airport as well, and also slow as well, particularly around the Kidneywood roundabout at junction 10A. Uh, everything else not actually looking too bad this morning, but don't forget on the trains, we have disruption on First Capital Connect between Letchworth Garden City and Moorgate and Welling Garden City and Moorgate, all following a lineside fire at Finsbury Park. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties. Radio. 
Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning, this is uh, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.16, it's Wednesday the 6th. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man has been arrested and an imitation firearm seized following a five-hour standoff in Leighton Buzzard last night. David Cameron has hailed the Commons vote in favour of same-sex marriage in England and Wales last night as a step forward for our country. In sport, England captain Stephen Gerrard says Ashley Cole deserves to get a tremendous reception tonight at Wembley when he makes his 100th international appearance against Brazil. Huzzah! The weather for beds, hearts and bucks feeling very cold with wintry showers and a top temperature of 5 degrees. Coming up, teenagers don't have the skills to make them ready for work. So say Buckinghamshire businesses. What advice would you give them to help them get jobs? We'll talk more about this before 8.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer, across beds, hearts and bucks. This Friday, I'll be in Woburn. It's the next stop of my tour of pubs across the three counties, discovering a little bit more about the towns and villages you call home. Nick Coffer. I'll investigate spooky goings-on, sample a quirky cake or two, talk to a bespoke tailor and attempt to outdraw an artist. There's live performance from the Woburn Sands Brass Band, vibrant local personalities and my favourite part, I get the chance to meet you. Nick Coffer. Come down to Long's Inn in Woburn this Friday. You'll not want to miss this. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. So I was driving um, to Gloucester yesterday. Yes. I listened to four, possibly five BBC local radio I hope stations. you're listening to me first. I listened to you until I got bored of your nasal whining voice. How dare you? No, I, didn't, I did listen to you and I thought your, your discussion on Game Manchester was fantastic. Um, and then when I lost reception, I went to the other stations. Um, and uh, I, I, can I just say, I was listening between 9 and 12. Uh, BBC Three Counties listeners... Are very lucky to have you. They're very lucky to have you. Oh, it's very nice. No, because you're brilliant. A lot of the others. No. No, and I'm being. <laughs> I, I, they they won't hear this. Well, they, this won't get sent around. But but. <laughs> Okay, one of them, right, and I've taken this on board, and actually we've had quite yeah. a lot of um, uh, content from it, but one of them, their phone-in from 10 to 11 was... Chainsaw Stories. Phone up with your Chainsaw Stories. Mm. So it didn't even come from anything. It was just him, so, give us a call with your Chainsaw Stories. One guy phoned in, well, I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with Chainsaws, I think they're all right. You don't think they're dangerous? No, no. I mean, I've got a friend, he's got no toes because of one, but, uh, but apart from that... <laughs> Sounds like good radio to me. <laughs> incredible but so i've been using the chainsaw story we've actually had quite a bit of content so i i stepped back from knocking them yeah but, um, jeremy vine did it two weeks ago that's probably why they did it recently chainsaw stories but yeah did he jeremy vine did an hour on tell us your chainsaw stories <laughs> yes <laughs> it's gold it's radio gold so go. i'm going to be listening to bbc radio solent and bbc berkshire and all of the others was that where you heard it on solent i think it may have been i'm not sure there was i got i was getting i was flicks i had to if you drive in and out, you pick up different ones and you lose them. So I was flicking about in my car furiously. Just It's hard to drive when you're flicking around like that um, and, and listening to the radio at the same time. But I managed to hear some bits and pieces. But Three Counties listeners, you, you, I know you knock him and I get lots of emails about him hang saying... On, hang on a minute. You, you know they knock it's me. It's confidential emails and texts <laughs> and tweets I get from the listener. But just, just hold back on some of that, that language you use about him. It could be so much worse. <laughs> There, ladies and gentlemen, is a ringing endorsement. Thanks for that, Ian. It's a pleasure. What's coming up on your show this morning? <sighs> coming up from nine this morning. Well, of course, it's the big topic of the day. It's the thing that everyone's talking about. This, uh, this, this vote. No, not chainsaws. No, sorry. Uh, the vote yesterday in the House of Commons. Yes. From nine today, I want to ask: Would you go 
to a gay wedding. The front pages of the majority of the papers look at yesterday's vote on gay marriage. David Cameron has said, as you were discussing earlier, in that uh, the, the vote, the large vote, the majority vote in the Commons is a step forward for our country. Yeah. And I also heard you talking to the MP who was saying that the chances are by beginning of next year, yeah. that's when we'll see the first gay wedding. It's going to happen on this show, I've decided. Well, from, Really? Yeah, I've decided. We're going to have the first ever gay wedding is going to be on this show. And on February the 14th, when we go digital, DAB, I'm going to get a gay man or a lady to um, propose to another gay man or a lady. In, in crystal clear CD quality. DAB quality. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Well, I want to hear from people, because yesterday, if you were listening to my phone, quite a number of people were not very uh, they weren't. keen on gay marriage. Mm. There are a lot of people phoning up saying um, that they thought it wasn't very pleasant. Even Fred yesterday, on your show, yeah. described uh, two gay men as, what was it, spine-chilling. I think that's that was the phrase, yes. Is that when you kind of go... Well, I want to hear your views from nine this morning. Would you go to a gay wedding? Yes or no? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And if no, why not? They are totally going to throw the best weddings ever. Uh, I too, I loved. It was that ninety-two-year-old woman you had yesterday? Oh, she's sweet. I, she phoned up, and I thought, oh, here we go. And she's going, they make the best nurses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They make the best nurses. I did she a, was lovely. I did a phone-in at another radio station a few years ago, and I was doing a phone-in about homosexuality, and uh, this bloke phoned up. I think yeah. he was called Dave. Yeah. And it kind of said, you know, Dave phoning. So I, so I said, hello, Dave. And he goes, all right, Jovius, I'm phoning up about the gays. And I thought, oh, here we go. He's going to come out with something horrifically homophobic. He says, oh, I'm a mechanic, right? I said, OK. I yeah. thought, oh, I'm waiting for it. And he said, they keep their cars beautiful. He said, these straight people, they bring their cars in, got banana skins all over the floor. <laughs> the gays, their cars, spotless. Smell beautiful. That's the way to, that's the way to tell, is it? Yeah, I have got a lot of banana out. skins in my car, so... <laughs> <laughs> I should look forward to listening, Jonathan. Have you, fin have you finished? Sorry. Yeah, 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 I've done. All right, off you go. Ta -ta. Thanks. I've never used a chainsaw. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian oh, Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sometimes it's a laugh, isn't it? Sometimes it's a laugh. Three quarters of local businesses who took part in a survey in Buckinghamshire say young people don't have the skills to make them ready for work. Among the main issues highlighted are poor timekeeping, poor spelling and grammar, spending too much time on their mobile phones and wanting immediate success. The research was carried out by Aylesbury College and it's now running a workwise week with local companies to try to improve the situation. The problem of youth, uh, youth unemployment was also recently tackled by MPs in Milton Keynes who organised a jobs fair. These young people are all out of work. I'm Lily Taylor-Williams, I'm 16 years old and I've been looking for work for about three months. OK. So... Have you? Did you finish school and then decide not to go on to college? Or no, I am at college. I'm looking for part-time work, but it's still hard because I haven't got any money and I need money to go out and do stuff that I want. But yeah, I'm at college full time, so it's hard to find work. Uh, I quit my job a few months ago um, because I wasn't getting what I needed from it. So uh, I thought it would be easy to find a job, but it's really not, <laughs> isn't it? No. So it's... how difficult is it then? Just try and explain um, to us. I, because I'm at college five days a week, I've only got the weekends to look for jobs. So it's hard to just go around to people and just give out CVs because mostly, most of the time people don't want them. And then when you apply for an application on the internet, they tell you that they don't want you or they never reply, which is kind of hard for you because then you're getting really confused about if you've got the job or not. How does it make you feel kind of going forward when you finish your college course? 
about getting a job full time? What does it make you think about? I am quite scared about it because what if I don't get a job and then I can't pay for rent and bills and stuff? But I think it will be easier once I've got the qualifications, but not as easy as I hoped it would be. My name's Sam, I've just turned 23 and I've been looking for work since Christmas. How have you been trying to find a job? Um, well, obviously I've been signing on, so uh, the government have just given like a universal job match thing that you log in and register your CV to, so you can look through uh, for like uh, work through there. Um, but also I've got myself onto like an access to higher education course so I can get myself to uni. Because I think that because there's really you know, there's a shortage of jobs, I think you should think about putting your time that you're not working into studying, maybe looking at a career in something different that you never have thought about before. My name's Ronnie, 25, been looking for work for nearly eight months now. So why are you looking for work? How well, long I've been have you a pastor for three years, I've been out of it for eight months now as I told you before. How difficult is it to find the work then for the right price? Very hard. It is very hard these days. Every day I'm out looking, every day. Oh, well, could you do this a square metre? Or even through companies, will you work for this much a day? Well, you used to get £160 a day. Now do £80 a day, £100 a day. And it's very hard to live when you're used to a lot more money. But in the space of three years, it's changing from £160 down to £80. Yeah. That's hard. It's di yeah, it's difficult. Tough. <laughs> it's difficult when you've earned a lot of money to go into earning not a lot of money. It's tough. Get on with it. I am. That's, that's, that's how it works sometimes. That's how it works. Deary me. Well, Dee Thomas is from the Careers Advice Service 4YP in Dunstable and joins me now. Morning, Dee. Good morning. Do you think that's part of the problem, the attitude that some young people, they want more and they want it now? Well, I think that the, the, the world has changed for all of us in terms of perhaps having to accept less and so forth. But I think for, from the, uh, the clips that you give there, there's so many young people and they all sounded as if they really, really want to, you know, make, make a, a living for themselves and, and make a life for themselves. Are there jobs out there for young people? Uh, yes, there are jobs out there for, for young people. I think a lot of it is, is is helping them to find out where they are and how to apply for them, um, because that is, is a skill in itself, really. So, um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look on the National um, Apprenticeship website currently, uh, when I looked last, I think there were nine thousand apprenticeship jobs on there. So they they, they certainly are out there. They're sponsored degrees, there's management trainee programs, there's lots and lots of things out there, but the competition is fierce. You need to know how to play the game and how to go about it. What advice would you give to, to any young people listening to this who are looking for work? Um, I would say seek out um, a professional career's guidance to help you. There is help out there. You need to know what you're doing um, and you know, the they can help you to um, explore what's out there, make informed decisions, get your application so that you get shortlisted, because that's one of the worst things. Is um, I mean, I had um, a case the other week where um, um, it was applying for a retail job with a well-known um, retailer, and they had 265 applicants for Ouch. a part-time job, wow. and they were only interviewing 16. So there's 200 young people. Well, how do you make your application stand out then, Dee? What do you do? Well, I think the first thing you do is get put your personality on it um, that makes it different because then in front of someone, then they're asking you questions about you. So, you know, it's quite a natural thing to do. And it sets you apart and it gets you 
um, shortlisted. Um, adapt your CV or your application to, to meet each job specification, because at the end of the day, they score your application oh. against their job spec, and if you haven't modified it, then you're on to a loser to start with. Um, I would say as well, check your Facebook. Many employers now ch- look at people's oh, Facebook, yes. and if you've got your Saturday night photo on That picture of you having a, 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 a sneaky <laughs> smoke in Magaluf, that's, get rid of that now. Absolutely, yeah, because if you want to impress the employer, then, then clean up your, your Facebook, I would suggest. Dee, thank you so much, Dee Thomas there from uh, 4YP and Dunstable Careers Advice Service. I'm so glad Facebook wasn't around when I was young. I got a Christmas job at HMV years ago when I just left college. I was 21, 22, and I went in and met the manager. It was actually a nice bloke, really cool, kind of young bloke. And he said, I was, I was really excited about meeting you, Ian. I have never read such an exciting application for a job before as yours. And I think what I did was I wrote well-constructed sentences. I think that I think that's all I did. I've never read such an exciting job application as yours, Ian. I was really looking forward to meeting you. How cool is that? They wanted me to go and be a manager there. Just think how different my life could have been. Travel news, Sophie Tyler. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Clockwise on the M25 is still very slow this morning following an earlier accident which has now been moved to the hard shoulder between 16 at the M40 and 17 at Maple Cross. And also heading south on the uh, M1 more delays to Junction 10 at Luton Airport. 15 minutes to get through the junction and also fairly slow as well at 14 at Milton Keynes. Now elsewhere it is looking slow through Biggleswade heading south on the A1 fairly slow there between Biggleswade south and Radwell and the Barnet Bypass also still slow heading south this morning through Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Everything else not actually looking too bad. A few little delays heading south on the A41. Everything else, though, not too bad at all. Seems to be moving nicely. Uh, disruption, though, on the trains on First Capital Connection, Letchworth Garden City and Moorgate, and Welling Garden City and Moorgate as well, following an earlier lineside fire. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Here's the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A 42-year-old man's been arrested and an imitation firearm seized following a five-hour standoff in Leighton Buzzard last night. David Cameron has hailed a Commons vote in favour of same-sex marriage as a step forward for our country. And detectives are reappealing for key witnesses to a shooting last Wednesday afternoon in Luton. It's thought two men and a woman may hold vital information. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The England captain Stephen Gerrard says Ashley Cole deserves to get a tremendous reception tonight at Wembley when he makes his 100th international appearance against Brazil. Cole's had a chequered career, but Gerrard believes England's fans should...